Greetings for another episode of the Group Up Podcast. We're here for the great June debate. A trio only today as Samito works on business shit. Uh, but there's still plenty to discuss as we'll be talking about the upcoming season five, the forgotten season five, the various patch changes and what we actually got coming with Quest Watch and the Ilk. But of course, the, the, the fact that even the developers themselves will be looking very strongly ahead to season six, we will also be looking strongly ahead to season six, the news of the PVE, the monetization of the PVE and whatnot. Of course, the fact we'll also discuss are we the problem? Are we the baddies? Have content creators done a disservice to the reception of Overwatch? All this and more, but first, let me introduce my guest. In the top left, nodding along, is my man, Frido. Frido, what's up? Hi, everybody. I will miss my friend Sam, but I think him stepping a toe out of Overwatch or two feet or whatever he's doing, probably a good thing. I told him if he wants to keep his hair, then he probably should, and he's got a lovely head of hair. I'm very jealous of it. So anyway, uh, it's too too far gone for me. So <laughs> here on the podcast, I remain forever. It's too late. Save yourself, Flats. How are you feeling today? Happy partner anniversary, guys. It is Flats' partner anniversary today. Yeah, I, I I thought it was tomorrow, but you know Twitch put it today, so I guess it's today. Three years of this shit. Of oh, this shit Getting is such, a, such an optimistic way of phrasing it. Three years of this goddamn shit. Well, I mean, yeah, not wrong, but in the in the context of you know talking about like boomer Overwatch takes, you know, I thought I'd try to fit in with ah, oh, you know, this has been around here for so damn long. It's true, it's true. There's all these new kids with hype and enthusiasm, and then there's us boomers who've been around, and then we, we look miserable by comparison. On that Flats, note... You put your time in, bro. Like, like Flats is tired, man. He's, he's put his time in. He's, he's you know, those, those are some three hard years. So he's not talking about three years, like, in the boom of Overwatch 1. He's talking about three years climbing out of the content drought. So my man's been in the trenches, so I, I definitely understand. He's seen some shit. He's seen some shit. He's had to make some miracles. On that note, though, it's a good time to touch base. I haven't talked to you guys in a while on just general thoughts for starters. So we'll go to Flats first. Flats, just your general summary of how you're feeling about Overwatch at the moment. Optimistic, pessimistic, somewhere in the middle. Very indifferent middle of the ground, middle of the road, which uh, I don't know anymore if that's an alarm bell or not. Uh there's always been a lot of bad um, in the last, like, month. Um, yesterday was kind of nice, though. Yesterday, actually, the World Cup announcement stuff, I actually enjoyed that a lot because World Cup, for years, was, like, the thing that brought the Overwatch community very much together. Um, so I look forward to that, and I think that'll be a good time next week. But other than that, uh, very middle of the ground, wait and see, or middle of the road, wait and see, uh, obviously, it seems like season six almost is like a reboot of the game. Um, and in, in some ways feels slightly like Overwatch one a little again. We're all like, well, <laughs> I guess we're waiting a little. It's just like a, it's a very small, condensed version of Overwatch one. We're all kind of waiting, uh, waiting and seeing. But there is some cool stuff later this season, which I am disappointed that it's like we have to wait for the last like two weeks of the season to get the cool shit like. Uh, the volleyball and the prop hunt and even Lucio ball. Like we, we got to wait till the back half of the season for all. Oh, come on, man. You know, that kind of stuff I'm kind of disappointed about. But other than that, um, I don't really have any extremely strong feelings at the moment other than balance, whatever the fuck they did with <laughs> the changes. Yeah. Sam, Sam wanted me to point out, he's like, I can't join, but I want you guys to, to let everyone know. I have no idea what they were smoking with the May and cast changes. So 
we will get to those in a minute and strong uh, stuff strong stuff indeed but again i think frida was before the call kind of echoing a similar sentiment how are you feeling about the game at the moment frida yeah, I think I've um, exercised my demons in the past few weeks. There's things that I'm, like, extremely angry about, like leading the pack, let's say, of the community in some ways. And in other ways, um, it's hard for me to ignore that they're finally doing a lot of things that I've asked for for years. Like, we're getting Team Q in the middle of the, this season. And, you know, contextually, it might be so much easier to be happy about it at any other point in Overwatch's life. But it's, like, the, the least um you know the lowest point maybe so um whether we're talking about balance or the direction of pvp like I, but the the campaign on the other side uh I, I refuse to call it pve anymore for reasons maybe we'll get into but the, the story missions is off on its own thing that's kind of a disappointment on the trajectory of the game as well as i think and feel that they have been disingenuous uh to the point of i feel lied to i, I made a video on that which uh made the rounds and I can't remember. I, I don't think we've spoken since that. It's been a while since that's been out, but uh, mm -hmm. so very upset at that point, but I'm kind of over those feelings now at this point. And I feel like the band-aid has been ripped off and it's like, I'm scabbing over a little bit. Like it's healing. I, if I touch it, it's like, oh yeah, that still hurts, but I, I'm ready to like move on and uh, be in the next like direction of what the game actually will be. I feel fine. Like so far this year, it was like, we got question marks. How often will things come out? What should we expect? What's this? What's that? We we didn't really know. And we we're like optimistic and with childhood enthusiasm, like, oh God, they're making all these good decisions and they're raking in all this money. They're just raking it in, man. Watch point pack, $40 skins, all this raking it in. And I'm sitting here like, all right, yeah, I love this game. Yeah, yeah, raking that money. Go slay, queen. Uh, wait, you canceled half the game. Oh, I didn't see that coming at all. So uh, anyway, <coughs> sorry guys, I'm a little bit sick. My, my voice is training a little bit. I like a lot of the PvP stuff we're getting, but still sore, of course, about the the great rug pull bait and switch, uh, like that. I'll never forgive them for doing that. But ultimately, uh, it is what it is, and uh, to some degree, they had to do what they did. So here we are. Let's let's <laughs> move on forward. Yeah, I was, I was amusing that you said, you know, if I touch it, it's still sore. And then already off of that, you were kind of like, the, the memories were flooding back. So touch it, we will have to at some point. And, and in fact, it might be good to start there. But first, just to, to give my POV, I mean, since when, when we last spoke, which I think it was like a, a month ago nearly now or something like that, since the, the PVE news, when we were on call with Seagull as well. At that point, I hadn't played Overwatch for, for a couple of weeks already. And then since then, I only played my first Overwatch this the star of this season so on tuesday uh, so i basically had a, had a bit of respite from Overwatch. let's call it i played a bit of apex i played the new zelda game been playing diablo which is a great game as well like a lot of really really good games uh, and i know flats and, and Frida, you both have been enjoying diablo too as well so it's definitely like it is possible for activision blizzard to, re to release a game that everybody actually likes and willingly pays for um but definitely, I think the for me, just to be fully upfront, the magic has gone a little bit, and I hope that it can be recaptured. But the the break from Overwatch really kind of has shown me that there's a world of potential out there, and it doesn't begin and end with Overwatch. So for me, I'm kind of like a little bit removed, which I th which I think has given me a lot of clarity in a lot of issues. Like I feel like I see Overwatch very clearly for what it is, but I'm definitely not a die-hard Overwatch till I die, like, lover that I once was. I'm kind of sat here as, like, a, 
okay, yeah, I think I think the honeymoon is over. I think the 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 golden years are over. But I reserved, you know, the right, and I hope to be proven wrong. I actually hope that the devs prove me wrong and they knock this out the park, and I go back to being a watch cheerleader. But let's talk about the main news, the one that is probably causing a lot of the, because I'm sure you guys have seen the sentiment of just. It's not the same. I can't bring myself to play. The lack of interest. It all comes from this news of the PvE. We spoke about it live. And since then, we've had a little bit more information, which is essentially that uh, the way the PvE is being monetized will be three missions that come in Season 6 with a $15 pack. So it's called the Overwatch 2 Invasion Bundle. I'm going to try and pull it up on stream. So it's called the Overwatch 2 Invasion Bundle. Uh, and let me just pull it up here. While you're it pulling it up really fast, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hope, uh, you know, we should we should someday go back and document your change from, like, being the hopeful. Like, let's start back to, like, when we fought on stream at one point about, like, Overwatch 2 and, like, you know, how it looked for 5v5, all that stuff. To now, and when people come starry-eyed and get really, really aggressive, we can show what experience looks like. <laughs> and be like, There's a, this change <laughs> will happen to you too someday. Let me show you what you will look like in three years. Like... <laughs> It's I think true. the hair color signified some of it as well. I'm sure there's a progression <laughs> of SVP hairstyles. <laughs> and he was hopeful and young, and then it just got progressively more Super Saiyan as time went on and the, and the rage rage filled him. So, But basically what Flats is saying, there is no such thing as a hopeful Overwatch player. It's just a player who hasn't been around in the scene long enough to have absorbed <laughs> the reality of, of their dreams being crushed. I mean, yeah, again, it's, it's going to make everyone think that we're just cynical, zoom, like, doomers. But it is, it's true. Like, I think, okay. you know, I, yeah, at this point, you know, it is what it is. Like, you, you just look at the people who've been around the community long enough. There is a discussion that's been going around about whether, you know, the Orange community is too negative. And I think the truth is that, like, there's, there's just been too much to be negative about over the years. Like, there's, there's only so many straws that the camel can tolerate before the back is broken, right? And I think after a while, like, you just get disappointed enough times that you start assuming mediocrity not even the worst i just assume the mediocre um and flats is right that you know we were there when 5v5 was announced and we were like it's gonna be great and flats was like i don't know man i don't think it is and then we're here now like another two years afterwards and let's discuss what we were at the time we were like oh i still remember the years we spent on the podcast being like guys when the pve comes out there's a whole nother thing it'll be a whole nother thing well we're finally close finally just a couple months away. So it says here, you can get started on your mission to save the World Rush 2 Invasion Bundle for 15 USD. This bundle includes access to Rush 2 Invasion Story missions during the season and permanently after 1,000 Overwatch coins, equal to $10 value. A brand new Sojourn Legendary skin, equal to $19 value. And permanent access to Sojourn as a playable hero for new, hero, new players. Unlocked upon completing the story mission. And then there's an even deeper pack that you can buy that's even more expensive and comes with even more things. So people have been split on this. On the one hand, people say, well, ah, $15 is not too bad. Other hand, people say $15 for something that we kind of were led to believe could be, well, firstly, was it going to be a lot bigger? Some people thought it might have been free or might have come included with some of the things that people have paid for with like the Founders packs, the Watchpoint packs. They might have bought them a bit of goodwill. Of course, that's not to say that's Overwatch's fault, but that's these are some sentiments that have flowed around in the community. Um, I'll preface by saying that, you know, I, I tweeted about this and that this is where I stand, which is that I think that the $15 price point would have been eminently reasonable in a game where the community was happy with the product. 
if you look at any other game, I think if you were like, oh, we're going to give you three story missions to, to dive deep into the lore of our game or superficially deep into the lore of our game, people would have been like, yeah, sure, I love it. Valorant, yeah, please give me a $15 story mission. I love it. I'm here for it. People happily shelled out for T- Tears of the Kingdom. People happily shelled out £80, $100 for Diablo. But I think the reason the $15 rankles in your watch community is because it's a watered-down version of things they were already, like a, a greater dream that's already been shattered, and they're not happy in the first place. So asking for money from a community that's already unhappy is in my book a bit of a poor play and a missed opportunity from your watch devs. But I'm going to go to Flats first. Flats. Do you think this has been done well? Mm, no. I mean, there there is no correct answer, though. Like, looking at both sides, they want to make money off it. They need to make money off it. How are they going to do that? Well, there's a bunch of different ways they could have went about it, like, you know, incorporating it into the battle pass, which they kind of did. That's the whole point of them giving the thousand coins. Like, the whole point of them not giving you the battle pass and the thousand coins is the illusion of choice. Where you then buy the battle pass so it's like well you're only paying five bucks extra for the pv missions no you are literally being manipulated with marketing that's what that is that's what marketing is is to make you think you're getting a good deal what you're getting is episode one quote unquote right you're getting a set of three missions there's no way that's it there's going to be drops later on if we assume that there's four sets of episodes which would be about 12 missions which is about the standard length of a lot of campaigns like, you know, if you look at like Call of Duty missions on, 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 on average, like they always had about 12 missions. Let's say there's four sets of PV drops at 15 bucks a piece. That's 60 bucks. Would you say Diablo, which has been a game that a lot of people say is a very well-made game and was good. Would you think Diablo is a $60 game if there was no end game? Like right when you beat Lilith, game's over. That's it. Nothing else to do. I'd argue no. I'd argue no. I don't think people would. Um, and that was what originally what Overwatch's dream and goal was meant to be. And if you are a, a seagull enjoyer, you would have known nine months ago that there was just never there was never a chance it was even going to happen. <laughs> like just there was just for some like the, the amount of work it would have required to pull it off um, was just insane. And their dev team is too strong, too small to make it happen. Like there's just there's no way there's no way it ever was going to work. But there's still a multi billion dollar company, and I don't feel bad for you. Like, I just don't like you. You still print money. Your 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 reason. There's a reason why it's sold for sixty nine billion dollars. I don't feel bad for you in any way, shape or form. Uh, I feel bad for the devs. Sure. It's not their fault. I don't feel bad, though, because if you read the Bobby Kotick, Kotick article that came out, the thing he most important, the thing he most importantly likes is his image and his legacy. He doesn't give a shit about anything else. He cares about money, profits and his image. That's what he gives a shit about. Doesn't give a shit about you. Doesn't give a shit about me. Anyone who thinks that content creators have any effect on how this game goes is literally psychotic. (laughs) The way content works is it resonates with people. I put out a video yesterday, actually, of me being very happy with with World Cup and the way they were handling it and with the crowdfunding. It was a new ability to give an uncapped, really high potential where the devs are supporting their esports scene and supporting community growth. It bombed has less than 20k views in 24 hours nobody give a fuck you know why because nobody's happy with blizzard nobody's happy with overwatch they don't get they don't want just positive content they want things that they actually like relate to things that they feel like yeah like this makes sense to me like i enjoy this like this is something that relates to me the people that just want positive shit just to have positive shit is just being diluted like that's not how most people feel 
And a lot of people at the same time, like USVB realized that there's a bigger world out there with other games that also treat their communities really well and also still put out the good content and also still like, you know, they're working on all these things in tandem. And I'm not saying Overwatch hasn't improved a ton. I would actually argue that in two or three over years from now, Overwatch is probably going to be in a much better spa space than it is now because I actually think that their new leadership with Aaron Keller has been a massive step up. And the decision to actually focus on PvP was the right call. But that doesn't excuse the fact that this multi-billion dollar company made promises and made all these things for years and never supported it and basically forced years of work that we'll never see. And also, you have to, you know, that, that this part's a little bit more of a gray area, I guess. But it's like the community believed that a lot of these things were coming and, you know, you can argue like people were like, yeah, like if you believe the watch point pack gave you PVE, you're, you're kind of an idiot. You didn't really read the whole way through, but these things add up over time. Like, why did you even sell the watch point pack? Well, I'll tell you why you sold the watch point pack is because you were leading into overwatch two and you need to turn on the money printer somehow. And you were shutting off overwatch one. So to give access to overwatch one plus overwatch two, you sold the ability to get into the beta early. So like FOMO, they were using the marketing tactic of FOMO plus like these random skins. And I, dude, I'm going to go on like the biggest fucking tangent today, but like the whole skin argument's insane too, because like, if you look at the $15 bundle, they, they are, they say the thousand coins is worth 10 bucks and the sojourn skins worth 19 bucks. One who made those prices you did. Yeah. You set the value. You, you set the fucking value. If I don't play sojourn, that skin has this much value to me. Zero. And then people compare it to things like Valorant. And they're like, well, in Valorant, people spend $100 on a skin. Yeah, but you aren't locked to a character on the, that skin. It's locked to a gun. And the way the gunplay works in Valorant is you're going to see that skin all the fucking time on every character, no matter what. And then with Knives, you see it on all the characters all the time. And it's not only that. Skins in Overwatch, the only thing you see is your hand and the gun. In Valorant, that's what the skin is. In Overwatch, the skin is the rest of you that you never even see. <laughs> so, like, it's not the same value, at least to me. Um, and anyway, don't get me wrong. There's Overwatch skins are still top tier, like some of the best in the industry. But regardless, though, I, I, I look at the $15 price tag and I go, we have to look at this objectively. Take out the marketing, take out the smoke and mirrors. It's 15 bucks for three missions. And the Game Informer article that came out, which by the way, there's a reason why they handpicked a certain, a Game Informer person. No negativity has to be all positive. It needs to be like glowing reviews of how fun the mission was. It took them 30 minutes. Game journalists are notoriously shit at video games. Uh, so <laughs> if they took him 30 minutes. Uh, it probably will take me or, you know, anyone who's experienced about 25 minutes um, for three missions, 25 minutes a piece being generous. Say it's an hour and a half for 15 bucks. I don't know. Like I can't buy it without the coins. I can't buy it without the skins. So objectively, you have to look at the price of what the PV mission is. And that is 15 bucks. The other stuff is fluff. They, they're, they're doing it to get you to buy it. It's marketing. That's the whole point behind it. You can argue value, but you can also argue the other way. So would I say it's worth it to someone like me who's an Overwatch diehard? I'll buy it. Yeah, it's worth it to me because I've waited four or five years for this. If I'm the average casual player, I don't think there's a reason for you to touch it. I think you just watch the, the cinematic version on YouTube and you see the whole story and then you, that's it. You have a good time and you go on. What's the point? Why play it? Like, 
unless it's really good, which it could be, but it's not going to be replayable. It's like you're going to play it once or twice, maybe three times if you try to go for the historic, like the legendary, and then you're going to move on. Do you think a game that's worth 60 bucks, you're going to play one time that's okay? Like you're going to play it once and then you're going to move on? I don't know. I think there's a lot of games out there you could probably get for that price and play it a lot more and a lot longer. So more of an opinion at that point. Deep, 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 deep question. Deep, like there's a lot of thought behind that. Depends on who you're asking. Depends on what your values are. Blizzard has a good argument for a lot of things, but I think there's a lot of good arguments on the opposite side as well. Yeah, there's a lot to to vibe off of there. Many, many good points. I want to get Frito in in a second on some of the some of the rug pull stuff the watch point packs up because that is where frito like you said you've been kind of the leader on it before that i will just chime in that i i i i think that i want to put it on record that i think the way they've the, the bundle is super scummy because i feel like we did this early on in overwatch 2 where we had the kiriko bundle and they said at the time you know at the time the kiriko bundle to buy the skin, the witch skin, you had to buy a bundle, which included like a bunch of things you didn't want. Now, Flats might be right in that maybe they just generally value the PV at 15 bucks, and they've thrown in some coins and a Sojourn skin that they maybe don't care too much about to sweeten the deal. But it's like, there's a few options. Either it's not worth 15 bucks, and they're adding these things to try and like... Because I think that the cynical interpretation would be, let's say it's worth 5 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is, right? Let's say they think it's valued at $10. The cynical interpretation would be like, well, they've waited so many years for this. They're going to buy this. This is going to be our big cash grab. So if we can get everyone to spend an extra $5 on a $10 product value, 50% increased revenue for, you know, for nothing, for just throwing in some coins that we don't care. Like they're in-game coins, like they're fictional money in a, in a way, right? You can say $10 value. You can say $19 value. It's money that you made up yourself. So like, of course, whatever value you want to put on it, good for you. But you've now gotten people to spend real world money on the in-game purchase, right? So the cynical interpretation is they've just inflated it by 50%. The optimistic interpretation is it's actually worth $15 anyways, but they just want to sweeten the deal, which honestly, if that's the case, they could have marketed it differently and just said, when you buy the $15 PVE missions, we're going to give you some stuff for free because we love you, watch fans. And I think that's where it comes from, which is my POV, which is, this was a great chance. I think I think Blizzard's biggest problem is their reputational damage. The reputation of Overwatch, as we will allude to and talk about more as well, with maybe because of content creators or or just because of their own actions, is in the dumpster. Everybody thinks Overwatch is a dumpster game. Anytime you step outside of the Overwatch sphere, people's opinion of Activision Blizzard in general is very low, but in Overwatch in particular is very low. And clearly Diablo has demonstrated that it does not stop them from buying Blizzard games. They like Diablo is the fastest selling, selling, fastest selling Blizzard <laughs> game of all time. This beats I think think it's of, of any game because they used to yeah. have the PC record, which is a smaller pool of games. Right now, now it's I th- I'm pretty sure it's all time games, fastest selling video game of all time. Which is incredible when you consider the titles that they've they've dropped, right? So they've dropped legendary titles and Diablo still outsold all of them. So people are willing to buy. It's not like whatever negativity contractors have brought to Activision Blizzard has stopped people from buying Diablo. No, they bought Diablo in their droves. Just Overwatch, for whatever reason, some objective reason out there seems to be telling people that they really don't think Overwatch is worth it. And I think that is Blizzard's biggest problem they have to solve. Forget about the gameplay issues, the PvE issues, which are there. If they can't convince people that this isn't a shit game in the first place, then it doesn't matter even if the quality was good. Which I do believe if the quality was good, people would eventually come to it. But it is a barrier for sure. And I think that's why this was an opportunity to create goodwill, which is what we've lost so much of over the years. What we've talked about right at the start of the podcast. 
we're kind of cynical and, and we just don't expect a lot at this point. We've been here for long enough that we're just like, I expect it to be disappointing or mediocre or expect Blizzard to kind of disappoint me, right? I understand that that's very easy for me to say, not from the business perspective. Because obviously the, the elephant in the room is Activision. Is some guy from the Activision headquarters being like, you can't give these missions for free. People are going to pay millions. Like, if, if it's $15 and a million people buy it, $15 million, easy. Like, who, which, which, like, business scum dude is not going to take, like, you know, love, wipe their hands off of that. They're going to love it. So it's easy for me to say they should have given this one for free. But I truly believe that, like, they should have given this for free because if they're really invested in the long term like of the game, episode one to be clear. Yeah, like, yeah, not yeah. The like, whole thing. Yeah. no, 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 not like the whole campaign. No, 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 absolutely not. I just mean like people need to have seen what this was all about and what this wait was for, and they not with their money, but with just like good faith of like, here you go. And I don't count the ten dollar battle pass. I, I, I will not stand for the argument that like, well, they're giving you ten dollar battle passes, five dollars. That doesn't mean shit, man. Getting someone to buy the battle pass is not like, oh, it's for free. You're still buying for the thing. And it doesn't mean shit to someone who doesn't care about the battle pass. And not everyone has to care about the battle pass. Remember, we're not trying to appease the five guys who still play Overwatch and regularly buy the battle pass. If we're truly a game that's going to appeal to the wider audience, then, oh, you get our battle pass too is not an argument for the value of this product of on its own two feet. And I really think that it should have been a goodwill gesture that, that should have gone in. And then later, I mean, but again, I know how businesses work. Money now is better than money later. But if you really were invested in the two, three year health of this game, you would have gotten them through the door by like, look at this great product we delivered. Now we'll charge you later on. So anyways, that's that part. And I think it's kind of really shit that they went back to doing the whole, here's items you didn't want in a bundle for the thing you do want. But... There's also that idea that over the years we've kind of been messed around a lot about what the PvE even is, what's it going to be. And Flats mentioned about how many people have felt, if not directly invested, by saying, oh, I bought the Watchpoint pack, I thought I'd get the PvE, which, yeah, that's just that's a you problem. But in a wider sense, you could say people have felt invested in, like, I'm in the Overwatch 2 project, I'm paying because I expect this is what the PvE is going to be, and now it's not. And so, Frito, this is where I'd like your opinion... You've, you've, you've kind of talked about this a lot, but do you still feel this way that people have a, have a right to feel misled by how the PV has, has eventually been done and released? I think there's literally no other way that you could describe it because I think they were deliberately misleading in multiple instances. Like they had lots of opportunity to control the narrative honestly, and they decided to instead make it vague. So I... I know what actually happened. And I, I personally can forgive the devs ultimately for how it panned out. But from the public uh, PR marketing strategy of it, I consider it a rug pull because you had, you justified every mistake with like another different weird mistake, different thing. And we always had to keep giving more slack year after year. and. I feel I'm kind of going through it now with the whole campaign versus PVE argument with some people, just like I did years ago in the content drought where I'm like, wait, that's not okay for them to say this was a live service game 
then say, well, dev team's busy. We, we, we wanted to go wake Overwatch WoW. Literally what they said, by the way. We didn't know that until the blog post came out. We could have dreamed it or guessed it, or I, I could have been mocking them for years and say, well, these are WoW devs. They just want to go make WoW. They just want to make WoW. They literally were trying to make WoW again. Literally. So my, <laughs> my ridiculous argument that like, well, they don't know how to design the game because they just want to make World of Warcraft RPG uh, cosplay game was true the whole time, okay? So, uh, sorry, I'm losing the, the, the plot here for a no, moment. What was I supposed to be talking it. about? Just the uh, rug pull, yeah, keep going. The rug pull, yes. Okay, so the more information we're gaining about this, the more of a rug pull it looks like. So, while, and people confuse this position I have as if I'm saying the confusion about watch point pack giving PVE, uh, like I'm signing up for that argument. I'm not. It's the investment argument where... I'm playing Diablo 4, and I was just thinking, like, t literally today, before we got on the call, I, I was playing, and he's like, oh, we got the, the call in 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, shoot. Uh, and I run, run to come. I bought cosmetics in this game where you don't even need cosmetics, first of all, because I know they've got a plan to support it over time, and the devs keep making good decisions, and the things they say they're going to do, they do. I trust that dev team. So I bought cosmetics there. In the same way, at the launch of Overwatch 2, they made all these promises. They said we're on the right track. And they said, you got to eat, you got to eat uh, heroes being locked. Sounds like a ridiculous idea from an Overwatch 1 player. R absolutely ridiculous. It took me, it was very difficult for me to say that that's even in any way a thing that should be acceptable in this game. You, you've got to uh, deal with big microtransactions, but we're going to update the game. We're going to balance it. We're going to keep, okay, we turn it back on. We all signed up for that. Got on board with it. Said this is the right way to go. That was very difficult for a lot of people to absorb because you had deliberately shifted the business model from Overwatch 1, which none of us are to blame for but Blizzard. They're the ones that made loot boxes from very exploitative at the start. Everyone forgets that period in the first couple of years. Loot boxes were crazy expensive for what you got. We just whitewash history because over time they made it like super free and they lost money in development uh, power in those that lack of resources in those years, so much so that they turned the pipe off. And they said they're turning it back on. PVE is coming next year. What they didn't say, and what the argument that I'm going to make now at this point, is that to me, the term PVE means very specific things. There is a small window of the definition where it can mean literally any video game that isn't against another player. You could say that's PVE. Technically, you could say the training range is PVE, but there's a reason why when Flats mentioned Call of Duty, he said campaign. There's a reason why in Super Smash Brothers, you don't say it's got a PVE mode and a PVP, but no, no, no. These are terms that get used in RPG games because they, Jeff Kaplan went on stage and said the, the hero missions are designed to be like Diablo adventure mode, endlessly replayable. They went on a panel fully explaining the depth of this, the end game as Flats is talking about that we expect in these RPG games. These are literally WoW devs who admitted they eventually would have liked to make Overwatch WoW. That was the... So PvE was always in the context of something replayable. They were trying to figure out how to make like gear. The first version we played had like weird grenades that nobody liked. So like, it was like you opened up a, a loot box and it was like some funky grenade and it didn't work, right? It was it was kind of lame. We all, we, everyone said it's kind of lame and they took it out. And... and uh, skill trees as well, just like Diablo. So all of this had like RPG depth that we expect to have in Blizzard games. Now, all of a sudden, 
It's just a COD campaign. I w- tell me anyone who would have expected when they say the big roadmap for Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 is here, guys. Here's the roadmap. We're gonna keep adding heroes. We're gonna do this. Like, like, like. You, you get a new hero. You get a new hero. You get a skin. You buy a battle pass. Come on, everybody. Let's let's go. Let's go. Hype it all up for like months and months. Don't worry, PVE is coming. Oh, oh, it's coming. So, so the the Diablo game, Diablo 4 version of Overwatch, the game that everybody loves right now, Diablo 4, that could have been a hard game. That's what I expected from Overwatch 2. I expected them to be working towards an end game, not a COD campaign, which we know that the uh, expectations from all of gaming of what a COD campaign is. As a gamer, you already know why people like it and why people don't like it, because it is quick, cheap, a Transformers movie with a controller. And you play it through at once, explosions. And honestly, I probably think the Overwatch campaign will be decent for people who want that. But you can't literally change genre of game and tell me you didn't cancel it. No, you changed the entire genre of the game. You cut off half of it. So the best thing you could say, the, the best logical argument you could make is they canceled half the game. But to me, it was the whole game. You should have just done PvP the whole time then. Because I don't play COD campaigns. I hate them. And a lot of people do. A lot of people buy COD just for the multiplayer. Okay. Negativity over. <clears throat> I don't think the $15 is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> this, this part doesn't, doesn't offend me. Because I, I don't mind paying for the battle pass. So, so me personally, a lot of times I, I talk from my personal experience. If I'm going to keep playing multiplayer, I think for current Overwatch players... If you already bought the battle pass, this is a good thing. The sad thing is we will never tap into an outside audience because of the exact reasons you guys have already mentioned. Like you guys are completely right about that. I just think for, I think for value for money and uh, in reality, if they did say it's, it's like worth $5, they don't, I, apparently I'm just going to guess and try to read their mind on this. If they put the story missions off to the side just for $5, they they must assume they will make less money than if they tried to lure you into the cash shop for the skins. They don't actually want PVE players. They don't want, they don't care about the campaign. That's what it says to me. The campaign isn't actually that valuable. That's that's the signaling because what they're trying to do is direct you to the skins. Get to the skins. That's where we make the money. The reality of the situation is evaluating the campaign based on the price they're charging is ridiculous because to produce a campaign is very expensive. It's far more expensive. The reality of game dev right now, and people don't like to admit this, but the bells and whistles fund the rest of it. So there's people in the industry who would argue that games should cost at least a hundred dollars. And a lot of people went crazy over them raising the next gen games to 70, but then they also have microtransactions added in. And you know, obviously there's a lot of corporate greed and the CEO gets overpaid and all these other things. But I think there's some reality to the economics of how expensive these games are getting to make. And it's specifically one that has a story and has any any added complexity to it. it. It's difficult. And it isn't actually funded by the thing you're paying for. It's funded by the exploitative microtransactions. And, and I just feel like I've I've been comfortable with this for too many years, I guess. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with it. Uh, one nice example I, I like to bring up is I played CSGO for years 
paid hundreds of dollars in cosmetics. But the cool thing about Steam is you can sell them to other players and get Steam currency to buy other, other Steam games. So I think I had like, when I left CSGO, I had like $500 or something of Steam currency, which is kind of an awesome idea. Uh, I wish other games had that ecosystem. And I think a lot of other um, gaming communities at the time would look at CSGO as this ridiculous anomaly. Um, but because I played that, because I played Valorant, like I'm, I'm never really going to be too sore about microtransactions because I bought them in Diablo at a full price game as well to make my necromancer look like the Lich King or whatever. Um, I like these games. So I don't mind funding it personally, but <clears throat> what, what I do get angry about is the manipulation is the bait and switch is not, not being honest and upfront to, in my standpoint, the $15 to say battle pass hero missions, we want players that play the whole game and please go buy more skins because that's where we make money. I feel like they're finally being honest to me. It's like, like I know you're trying to exploit me. Just honestly exploit me. Don't exploit me and <laughs> lie and like lie and say it's going to be so much better than you can make it. Just be honest about your exploitation and then we'll be on the same page. And I know I'm this uh, filthy consumer that you look down on to extract resources from and you're making a product that I hopefully become addicted to and all that. We know the game that's being played here. We're all on the same terms. So... All right, I, I, I uh, laid it on thick there for a while, so I think I need to rest my voice a bit. Understandable. Flats, you got something to add? I kind of, oh God, I wanted to respond like five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be tough. Um, so there's the one thing that stood out to me that I, I kind of disagree with is the rug pull. But like not entirely. Not, I, I, I agree with you like every other like point around it. You know what I mean? Like like it's not what they promised. They talked about the like the wow stuff. That's All that is true, whether people like it or not. Like that is legitimately the truth. Um, here's my one disagreement is, uh, and it doesn't excuse it either is I genuinely think that so much of the team has turned over that it's not even the same people anymore that made those promises. So they never even intentionally did rug pull. Um, so the way I think of this is, uh, Aaron has been making really good decisions for the game. Um, I think when he made the decision to go back towards PvP, it was the correct one that should have been made three plus years ago. Um, there's a lot of things that have come since then, um, you know, whether it's uh, gameplay wise, like focusing on, on supporting the PvP game, like, you know, whether it's introducing new game modes, introducing new characters, like all of these things, like things that actually support it. Well done, but you also can't overlook that there's a very real possibility that the reason there's been so much turnover is because the people who originally made all the promises were forced out or weren't able to actually maintain them because they weren't supported by the up top corporate level. Um, and there's many, many things we could point to. We could point to all the stuff that came out a couple of years ago um, for all the really terrible shit that was happening at, at their offices. Um, we could talk about the work from home uh, thing that's been reinstated. We've seen people leave recently. I've seen a lot of people leave recently. So like the turnover is crazy. Also, there was things from Overwatch 1, like systems they talked about they had to rebuild. And you, part of that you almost wonder, because I remember years ago, um, people asked like, hey, can we get like legacy uh, patch game modes? Like, for example, like we all go play goats for a month, right? Like it's an arcade game mode where you go play goats. And they couldn't do that because they didn't have the data for like what those patches were and people from the workshop can go make it like 
all you got to do is go dig through the forums and go find like old patch notes and put it together yourself. But they don't have all of that, which is makes it funny to me. You know, and then you look at things like that, the recently like the ash bug that got fixed and then reverted, you know, like about Bob doing damage or getting ult charge and not getting ult charge. It's legitimately such a different team that they don't they don't even know about these these promises that were made or existed or even these systems that might have even existed in the past. So part of me wants to give them a pass, you know, and like not think it was in, like they weren't intentionally trying to rug pull and at least not the current team. Um, cause I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of people that are there now and they do genuinely try to listen. And like this podcast is a great example. You know, people, we see sometimes like devs pop into chat and like sometimes chime in, um, not saying all the time it happens, but like, you know, they do make a good effort and I do appreciate that. But at the same time, though, it's another, it's a billion dollar corporation that very much wants to, to they want to make all the money off of us that they can. And I think you're right. PVE isn't the focus anymore, and I think that's a major mistake. I think that it had the potential to double its player base almost overnight because you wouldn't just have all these PvP's tryhards. You would also have the PvE enjoyers that just want to, like, you know, they want to just they want to enjoy Overwatch. And I genuinely believe I am one of these people nowadays where I don't like Overwatch anymore. I like the idea of Overwatch, what Overwatch is as a universe, as a community, what, like, what what happens with news balance like everything that encompasses overwatch i love but actually playing the fucking game sucks balls like it's ass i don't know what it is but like it is just awful nowadays and i wonder how many people are kind of like that and do love overwatch that don't play it anymore because they've already went to go to another game that actually made them feel wanted slash actually was supporting their game for the last few years that could have brought them back because they wouldn't have had to worry about catching up to three or four years of knowledge of PvP. Like, they haven't been playing for the last four years. They don't understand the 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 Rock Sigma left-click melee combo. They just like, what? I just got deleted. What the fuck was that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, rand, like stuff that they've never seen before. They don't want to have to relearn the game. They don't want to have to play all this, like, catch-up. It could have expanded this to so many more people, and myself and others, I think, really look forward to that. But like you said, there isn't a way to monetize it. There isn't really a good way to make money off of it, like long term. What are you going to do? Make cosmetics for PVE or like, you know, like, can you buy like skill bonuses? They already have all that in the PVP. So what's the point? Like, I think they seriously hit a point in development where the investors came. They came knocking. We're like, hey, you've been working on this for three or four years. We need something like you got to it's time to like time to show up. And they didn't really have anything. And they're like, OK, well, if we give you more time, like, how do you plan to make money with this? And they're like, uh, well. We, we sell it as a box and it's like, yeah, but like that's the live service games notoriously make way more money. Like, the, like you said before, the, the price point of the game isn't even like the big point anymore. It's like the microtransactions on the back end that really are the, the heavy hitters at farm. And because they already have it, how are they going to monetize it? Like in a perfect world for both Blizzard and as a player, how do you monetize PVE? For a player, it's very easy. You make it free. Like you just put it in the battle pass, you know, you get you unlock it or some shit, boom, it's free, you know, it never goes away, no archive, you know, whatever. But on the blizzard end, the, this is their best possible outcome. Like the only thing that they could do that wouldn't just sink it is releasing it all at once. Like if they released it all at once at like a $60 price point, people would probably go bananas, like you what you want, like a campaign for 60 bucks, like fuck off. But instead, they release it in these very small bunches, 
they bring it out over time to make you buy the battle pass because buying the battle pass well now when you bought the battle pass you're like well i bought the battle pass i might as well complete it so i can get all the cosmetics and then you keep playing throughout the, the weeklies and the and the dailies and working up your battle pass to finally get to the end of it as they release more cosmetics throughout the season and more opportunities and more tempted ways to buy because the cosmetics are so fucking good. You're going to open up the shop one day and you're going to go, man, that Reinhardt skin looks real fucking good. Oh man. But the only way you see that is if you actually go into the game and play it. And the only way you're going to play the game is if the, unless you actually are really committed and you're a hardcore player and you actually like it all the time is you have to have a connection to it. And the only way to have a connection to it is well in their eyes here, either a hero release, which is notoriously the biggest way that players come back, right? Every new hero is what, like, the big thing. Everyone comes back to play the new hero. Or what they're probably thinking is the PvE content. They release drops of PvE with missions to get you to come back and play it, and then get you to buy the battle pass, so then you play for the rest of the season, try to get you to do a a couple more cosmetics along the way, and then they just re-up that two, three, four times for the next few months, and they've built out a method where they not only capitalize on you paying for PVE, but also hopefully tempt you into, well, now you'll buy the battle cap pass because you're already here and you're getting XP for playing the campaign missions, right? They, they mentioned that you get battle pass XP for playing the campaign missions. So you might as well buy the battle pass while you play the campaign missions and get more stuff. And then once you finish all that stuff, you might as well finish the battle pass and do your dailies and weeklies. And while you're doing your dailies and weeklies, the shop items are coming up and it's like, well, more opportunities to spend more money. So it's just, it's tiring at this point. It's so tiring. There is no world where PVE would have been a good monetization model. So I think they just kind of were like, well, we're never going to be able to make it in time. It would require way more dev resources than we're willing to, to make. And so, like you said, they changed the way the wording was for it. And instead of being a WoW expansion, PVE, Overwatch style thing, it's now a campaign. But they kept the wording for PVE because that's what they had always called it. But I agree with you. It is not PVE. It is the Overwatch 2 campaign. Hello, guys. SCB here. Just want to quickly interrupt this episode of the Group Up Podcast to say that if you've been enjoying this content, then please do consider supporting me directly via Patreon. It really does help since Patreon only takes about 10% of your money, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So it supports me and allows me to keep making videos no matter how many views they do or don't get. Also, if you are really enjoying this discussion, then why not consider watching some of my other content? First and foremost, my Twitch stream where this podcast is hosted live, and I stream five days a week doing a bunch of other things as well. If you're not much of a Twitch viewer, then you can check out the SVB side channel where all the best bits from the stream go straight to YouTube in highlight format including VOD reviews, gameplay, and streamer formats such as the Fantasy Overwatch or Rank Gauntlet that you may have seen other streamers participate in. And finally, if you're sick of Overwatch, then you could check out my other channel, The Soak, which is where I do movie and TV breakdowns. And I've done videos on things like Avatar The Last Airbender, Pixar's Up, and anime like Haikyuu. So if any of that sounds up your street, then all the links are in the description. But now, back to the discussion. Yeah, I'll, I want to let Frida ch- chime in before respond to that before, but but I'll I'll add my own POV to start with, which is that I I agree with Flats's point that it's not just the, about the rotating team, but I think probably the key here to to the switch is that the people who are making the game and the people who are selling the game are not the same, right? Like that's the key distinction, which is that like you can only imagine in Flats like peace mic drop, but like you can only imagine that the devs wanted 
a certain vision. We know, I mean, I think we should give props. I don't think we spoke before Aaron had dropped his his blog uh, after the PVE news. I don't think we'd, we, we spoke before that. And he was very candid, obviously, in saying that, look, we wanted the crawl, walk, run. We wanted to make an MMO. And clearly they had a vision and an Activision came with their own perspective, right? And I, I can only imagine that it was not as conscious a decision as perhaps it seems now where we can put the pieces together. And, I, and again, I, I, I'm curious about Frito's thoughts on this, but it's like the devs are saying, we want to make this thing. Activision like, no, you can't. And, and I, maybe they just kept trying to buy time. It's hard, it's hard to speculate too deeply what's going on, right? The devs are trying to buy time. They're like, look, look, we can do it. We're going to release the PvP. We'll get that monetized. We'll get the money. Just let us make the thing that we really want to make. And I'm guessing that the rope ran out, right? The ends of the rope ran out. They were like, it's time, man. We're pulling the plug now. Like, you guys have had long enough to deliver this. You haven't done it, so it's not going to be this great thing. Just just deliver it in the easiest way possible. Scrap the stuff that's taking forever. That thing takes too long. Just give us the story part and, and be done with it. Let's keep going on this. And I guess, yeah, that, that would be my picture of, like, what happened and why I wouldn't be quite so... Uh, harsh on them I guess but I also don't blame Frito and others because I don't think A as Flats point out this is a multi-billion dollar company so like whatever it's like they, these are all excuses at the end of the day right for the average consumer nobody gives a shit like they don't give a shit why your game didn't come out the way it did they just see that it didn't and they're like well I'm not buying that right so for, for the bigger picture it doesn't it doesn't matter but secondly I think this we might have cut more slack had we not cut enough slack over many years as it were. So like people just ran out of slack. So I don't blame anybody for just being like nah I don't even trust these guys. I don't even give them the best version of this image. I take the most direct version which is this which is that they just wanted to like milk it a little bit more. So Frito I'll, I'll let you go on that before we kind of switch topics. Yeah I think never has a story mode camp campaign been marketed as a pve they mean different things and i think they knew that they were downgrading it to a campaign at the release of the game and and you know all, all the points flats made and you're making i don't agree with any or i don't disagree i agree with everything it's just like where we draw our sensitivities of what we're allowing to what we're going to tolerate and, and like give them a pass for if we just have different uh, you know uh, versions of that like i don't mind the current monetization but i you know i more mind uh the corporate trajectory because they released the game the cash shop worked it's like all these other things successfully came out they said overwatch 2 is here or on the road so uh, I think all, everything you said is true about the turnover of the team, the change of the vision, um, the necessities of uh, um, the workflow and work distribution. And I think, you know, a lot of um, more apologetic creators might say that the thing they were even aiming to do was impossible by any team in, in the history of gaming. Also not my fault. <laughs> like, like I, I, I just feel like there wasn't an adult in the room to say, maybe you can't have a endlessly replayable RPG game with 30 plus heroes in it. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't seem to make sense. Maybe, maybe you can't make 20 times more content than any game like this ever has. Maybe you can't do that. Like, like, duh, like, it's not my fault. You weren't able to see that ahead of time. It, it, so it seems obvious to me and it should have been obvious to them. So the, the best argument we can make in my opinion is incompetence and 
an accidental rug pull to me is still a rug pull. It's like, like, like they, and the reason why I forgive them is because I aligning with my, well, we have to sacrifice some babies to, to fund the <laughs> prayer circle to make <laughs> this thing happen. So for the $15 thing, I admit that. And I also think there was no way that they could have been honest about this at the launch. I know that there's no way. Do you think they would have been on the sales chart for the watch point pack if they said half the game is gone actually next year? No, no, no. They knew it then. They admitted it in the article. And it's kind of funny because in our last podcast was before I knew he said that. That changed everything for me because I was incredibly apologetic in our last podcast on this subject. And then I found out, oh, wait, uh, you know, everything I've said before, they were, they, their actual goal was to continue to do RPG things up to the biggest scale possible. Maybe we can still do Titan, guys. <laughs> it's only been 10 years of failure. <laughs> Maybe we'll eventually turn this ship around. No. And, and yeah, and I think Blizzard as a corporation uh, is to blame in general. And it, it's not my problem that they've had good excuses to have made this mistake. I, I'm allowed, and, I, and everyone is allowed, to, to call BS on it. Uh, I can't remember if I fully sure. answered the question or this point, so that's all I got yeah. on that little bit. Well, nobody I mean, would like, care about our excuses, no matter, like, not me, you, or anyone. Like, if we had excuses that we couldn't get something or pull something off, nobody would give a shit. We just, they, all they would care about is we didn't pull it off. That's it. So, like, do we really, you know, like, yeah, we can, you can be like, yeah, I understand, but that doesn't, like, excuse you from it, you know? You're still asking me for 60 bucks out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're yeah. still a billion, multi-billion dollar company. Like, I understand shit happens, but at the end of the day, to be for me to be like, well, that's okay. Shit does happen. I'll just deal with it. Well, if shit happened to me, you probably wouldn't give a shit either. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, dude. Well, the irony is as well, like, the, if you actually removed, devoided all emotion from the situation and you were just like, I am just a consumer who has no prior knowledge of anything, looking at the product that you're getting, you would be like, I'm kind of disappointed with what I'm getting, right? Like, again, if you were a consumer objectively looking at it and you'd be like, wow, they've been developing this for what, like four years? And they give me like this one and a half hour mission for $15 at the end of it? Like, you'd be like, I think I'd rather spend, you know, like a little bit more. And I it actually, it was hilarious at Opera GX the browser on twitter oh, I when saw when uh when overwatch announced that they were going to release these packs for 15 dollars, they actually made a tweet that listed all the games currently available on steam for less than 15 dollars, and they were like yeah overwatch doesn't be a single one of these games here and it was like you know games like stardew valley and civ and, and all these other games and and that tweet did numbers and that's the truth that like a, a consumer looking at it like, yeah, there's probably a lot of better games out there. And if you wanted a new PvP experience or PvE experience, sorry, it's it's releasing at a time when we've just had Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo, God of War, like incredible titles that are released in this very year or recently enough that it's hard as a even as a the most passionate defender of Overwatch to say that this outdoes any of them. So once more, I think Overwatch has left a lot to prove. And on that, well, we'll quickly round out this topic because I think it, it we may as well address it since we are often the recipients of the accusation, which again, and we've kind of vaguely touched on it, but let's properly touch on it. The negative perception of Overwatch, is that, does that come from people like content creators? Like, well, there's a train of thought and a growing movement, perhaps we can call it, amongst social media that says that actually content creators should, should bear the burden of a lot of what's gone on. A, for their false hype, as they would categorize it, the false hype that we gave everyone 
when we were given the NDA call and we were like, okay, guys, I think Overwatch is actually going to be really good, into then everyone being negative, being doomers, and our perception of Overwatch, our perpetuation of Overwatch as a dead game or a bad game is what's contributed to its failure. So that's the premise. I will let Frito come in first here. Let's, let's this time I'll go to Frito first and then I'll let Flats yeah, chime in. This is hard for me because uh, I feel that I have just been all over the place with my reception of every decision they've made over years now. So, and Flats as well. So either way, it's like, I think people don't realize how easy it was at the launch of Overwatch 2 to just be anti everything they were doing. And I wasn't that because I didn't feel that way genuinely for all the reasons I've mentioned earlier. Um, and I also thought they were making this one big, wonderful thing. Uh, and then when all that changed, my opinions changed. So I think there's a lot of like expectations of the power of a, of a creator when the reality is, A, we are human ourselves. So what would you prefer? Would you prefer me to lie and craft the narrative the way you personally would like to do? No, that's what your content should be. My content gets to be about what I think. So the, this like policing of other people's opinions is very interesting at this, uh, you know, time of our, our lives. Um, and I'm from the school of thought that uh, a spirit of disagreement um, has places to learn, places to grow. You should come in contact with things you don't agree with. So it's like um, labeling people's intentions of, well, you're a doomer about it, so you must want it to fail or or whatever. It, it's ridiculous to say about any of us because we've been so nuanced for so long. Like, like, have you just not watched enough content? Like, you see one thumbnail or something and you say like his goal is to, to destroy the whole thing it's like no <laughs> i've created content like let, let, let the man cook to some degree is how i feel about <laughs> it and uh we've done plenty of our fair share of trying to add positivity to the scene when possible and i've done it when it's fighting upstream flats gave an example of him trying to do it and fighing upstream uh I, I, wh what more do you want from me like like all i could do is talk about the thing so the the power of the content creators mirrors the reality. That's the truth, okay? The, the messages that are being said need to be, need to resonate. There's nothing a Diablo creator could do to force Diablo 4 to fail. It can't happen. The game is good. P the creators would lose all their credibility if they said it was terrible. And like, I've watched so much Diablo 4 content, dude. You have no idea. I've watched all of it, okay? I'm finding all these new creators, creators that are, are like uh, booming their careers out of nowhere. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch creators go into a game that is thriving from, from the jump. And there's people that are pretty negative about it. But the best they can do is say like, well, for me, it's like a 6.5 out of 10, but I still play it every day. And maybe they'll grow it to be an 8.5 out of 10. Even with like harsh reviews of like the harshest critics of that game, nothing can stop it. <laughs> so like if the game is good, what do you, the creators cannot fight against the reality. That That's the truth, okay? What you're arguing is almost bad faith. It's like they're intentionally trying to sabotage it. They couldn't if the game was good, it seems. Yeah, you well, can go that, now. That seems, to be, that seems to be a lot of the sentiment that people have given that almost there's like a, a maliciousness towards what's going on like again i saw a tweet that was like 
oh, well, people are happily buying a $100 Valorant bundle, but they're not happy about Blizzard charging $15. And it, and I, I guess, like, while, you know, you can look at that and be like, Apple oh, look, see. Both fruit, different yeah. things. But also, the the implication there is that there's some sort of maliciousness, there's some sort of agenda, right, to, to like, trashing Overwatch, not because you believe that it deserves to be trashed for certain things, but because there's some ulterior motive to trashing Overwatch. So do you, how do you respond to that charge, Flats, that, like, the conquerors are almost like again to, to say that we're we're kind of deliberately downing or watch is to say that we are actually not so negative as we're making out to be in our videos like how do you respond to that charge so i have a pretty complex answer in this i typically don't like to fight battles or start shit unless i'm informed uh, i typically like to do my research and have a decent footing before i you know, go down that road. There is a lot of people that don't do that. They do not do that. What you're referring to, I'm assuming, is a lot of people see titles and thumbnails, and then they base a story based off the titles and thumbnails. It is my job. It is my editing team and my managing team's job to get you to click on that video. What's in the video is me, my actual opinion. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, most people who get really up in arms about it don't actually watch. They get a screenshot of the title and thumbnail and they do and then that's it. That's the story. The point of a title and thumbnail is to get you interested either through a question or a statement or some type of emotion or something that pulls you in so that you click on it. It is my job. I want to make money. I also want to grow my platforms. It is in my best interest to do those things. If you actually watch any of the videos and people point at things like Stylosas or, or, or Fritos or anyone's, most of the time, they are not spreading misinformation. They are reading a fucking Blizzard blog. How do you spread misinformation reading a piece on the screen from it? Now, it's different, I can argue, if you like are like not really showing quotes and you're just talking about what they said and giving opinions. Fine, you want to we want to argue semantics there. That's one thing. But like most of the time, it is literally reading what they're saying, giving an opinion or interpretation, and then moving on to the next one. That's how it works. Now, I'm not saying there's no leg to stand on. There's definitely people out there that spread actual misinformation and that like say, like, you know, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, uh, like, oh, Overwatch wants me to pay like $60 for a P one PV mission. And, you know, like it was like it was some way off the rails tweet. I was like, OK, that's actual misinformation. Like that guy's that guy's off the deep end. Um, but at the same time, though, I, I almost question and I wonder, like, where where in that is actual logic and where is it in his emotion? Are you emotional because you don't like uh, that people don't like the same game that you do? And you're trying to like, well. You know, uh, I, you just, just like just let it all go. And, you know, things are good now. And it's like, well, things are better now, but they're not good. Like if you think they're good. I don't know. You might have some low standards there. Um, and, and the same argument happens with like uh, almost like straw man stuff like the Valorant bundle thing is a great example. They're like, well, Valorant bundles are 100 bucks. Well, one, you're talking two different, totally different audiences. Overwatch was already released beforehand. You have expectations of what the game was versus like loot box and some free system. Uh, and also into Overwatch 2, you lost Overwatch 1. It went into Overwatch 2. You were forced into it. It wasn't what you originally purchased. You know, there's a lot of arguments we made that, well, it's a different game, you know. It's fine, but you have to also acknowledge those other things as well. 
and then you also talk about we already I already discussed it earlier with the whole skin thing. It's like Valorant skins and Overwatch skins are not the same thing. Like when if you get a, a Cassidy skin and you play tank, that is almost fucking worthless to you. You know what I mean? It just it doesn't have the same value. In Valorant, you have those constantly, whether it's on your skin or or sorry, your gun and your guns for all characters and your knife and it's for all characters. You see it all the time. You're constantly playing with it. The fun animations. How many fun animations do Overwatch skins do? Almost none, like, except like Tracer Melee on that one skin and like the Rhine Charge on another. Like, guys, come on, man, be real. Like, there's no way, like, taking in all the stuff together, I, I, I struggle to be like, how are you how are you using this as an argument? Like, I understand well, what you're saying, but it's not the same. Well, also, the funny thing is that it's not like that's even the, the that kind of accusation. It's not even that's that that's not even labeled a counter creators because that's just people reacting. If people want to pay a hundred dollars for a Valorant bundle and people don't want to pay a fifteen dollar price for the Watchpoint pack, or whatever the the PVE pack, how's that our fault? Like, if people don't want to pay the thing, so that that's just public decision making. Like, you can't stop people from being like, I I find value in the hundred dollar Valorant bundle. I don't find value in the fifteen. That's people making up their mind. I guess, again, the accusation is that we have misled them. Let's go back. I will try my best. Obviously, I'm a content creator, so I, I have a... Uh, it's, 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 I'm biased, and, and anyone who's listening will be like, well, SFB's asking the question. He's also a content creator. So I will try my best to kind of uh, bring the other side. Going back to the clickbait point and, and the misleading there, to the PVE is cancelled, for example. I guess a, a good parallel would be like uh, journalists, right, and, and articles. Because sometimes the article is like a very catchy or, or eye-catching title that the nuance comes later from, right? The nuance comes in the article. You read the article and you're like, oh, okay, like this is what they're actually saying. But the, the title will be something else. The argument against us would be like, well, in a, in a, journal, in a journalist situation, a publication, the editor makes the title the journalist is writing. The journalist doesn't really have a control over what the title is. You guys have control over what the title is. You guys have control over what the thumbnail is. But you have chosen to perhaps be less nuanced in the thumbnail than you are in your video and potentially that leads to someone being misled that pve is cancelled when maybe that's not exactly what you're saying so how would you respond to that like maybe just because i think a lot of people feel like just the pve is cancelled that sentiment itself has somehow misled vast swathes of people into something that's not true I, so, love, I love this question. Okay, uh, can yeah, can yeah. I go? Because I feel like, yeah. I, did you yeah. make a PVE's canceled title or was... <laughs> well, I, I think I didn't have the same, like, it's like, you know, not clickbait type of thing. But I did have, I think I did say PVE is canceled because PVE is canceled. Campaign's right. not. PVE is we, canceled. That is yeah, true. We've, we've made it clear on this podcast anyway that we genuinely believe that. And let, let me back up a little bit. Because I've made many a controversial thumbnail and title in my day. Okay, so it's been a long seven years. Uh, when when you're making it to begin with, I don't necessarily. I'm not a magician of like I don't like I try to do things that resonate with the audience, but I don't necessarily know what they all think. I didn't know that so many people. So first of all, like young people, for example, people that didn't play the game that's behind me here. What what, what is that? Oh, Starcraft Two, <laughs> some boomer <laughs> game. Like what is that? That didn't play Diablo Two at release. Who like? There's so much history of gaming that they just don't even have access to, right? Like, like they just haven't been around long enough in gaming to know. And they think that living in a very small crease of a definition of if it's versus environment, that counts then. To me, that doesn't count. And we, we've said in this call uh, so far, I had no idea that so many people would think it still counts. So like, I think that you think that it's fine for you to disagree. That's okay. 
But what I hope after watching this show, because I came into the start of the show, you can back me up on this before the call. I was like, yeah, actually, I'm pretty I'm pretty optimistic. Like, I'm not even upset at anything. Like, I literally said this. I was not in a mood. And then as soon as the topics start getting on, I realize I, all the anger comes back. And I'm like, it, 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 it all... Th- I couldn't stop being upset if I tried. <laughs> like you see what I'm trying to say? Like this is genuinely how I feel. I, I-, I thought more people would be on board with me because, to be honest, there are. <clears throat> I mean there, the, the there views are. in the video would demonstrate that they are. That's the way content works. If content doesn't resonate with people, they don't watch it. Like the reason why it gets all the views and you know everybody's watching it is because that's how most people feel. Yeah, and I think. Blizzard the thing is Overwatch 2 is, is in this weird new space that I don't necessarily resonate as well with because I'm an old Blizzard player, fan, guy, boomer, whatever. And I feel most players like that, they get it. But I think there's a lot of younger players that are free to play. Uh, they're used to that being the norm now. <clears throat> and so they just they just perceive these things differently, basically, is, is, is kind of the point. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I... I defended that as mu- as best I can. I didn't think it was clickbait because I thought it was such a ridiculous thing to title to say it's canceled. I was like, I can't believe they would do this. Like I like my point in, in saying that is I'm not joking. They actually did this outrageous thing. And in content creation, that's a good title. Even if it offends you, that's fine. The way it well, turns yeah. into clickbait is if I don't believe what I what I'm saying. And it's a bait and switch. I didn't do a rug pull. I really believe that. And the funny thing is in those videos, I'm actually pretty positive. I'm actually like, wow, that part of it's terrible, but maybe it can still be good. That was the message. So it's like, I think it's objectively a huge turd. And I'm still trying to polish that thing. Like what what else could you want me to do other than that? If you're trying to get positivity, that's the best thing I could do and still be honest with myself. I'm not someone yeah, who subscribes to being ahead, positive guys. just for being positive, though. Like, I think that's very disingenuous. And I think anyone that argues elsewise is arguing in bad faith. Um, I think people are allowed to have different opinions, and I think they're allowed to stand on them. And I think there's some parts that are more emotional that people argue, because this is definitely true, in that there's people that are very positive and they're hopeful for Overwatch that are getting shouted down by people that are negative about Overwatch or saying, like, this is bad or whatever. And that's not good. No one is saying that that is good. If anyone says that, you're an absolute moron. Like, you are just literally stupid. But there's also a lot of arguments that are just not made in good faith. Like, you're not making a good argument in good faith. Like, like if you want to address the points of why you think Overwatch is good and why you don't think these decisions are bad, sure. But if you just like, well, you're just being negative to be negative, you're not arguing in good faith. That's not arguments. That's... You're literally like, I don't like the way you feel because you made me feel this way. So fuck your feelings because my feelings are more important. That's bullshit. That's not argument in good faith. So sometimes when people say stuff like that or when they're like, well, I didn't like you did this. Well, one, okay, why? Like you you don't have an argument. You just say you don't like it. And it's like, well, I think things are, are good for Overwatch. Okay, why do you think they're good? And if they say like, oh, I think the game's in a better trajectory than it was in Overwatch 1, fair. We're on the same page. But if you also sit there and say PV is not canceled because there's going to be a campaign, you are literally using a very, very technical thing to argue that why you're right. That's not a good faith argument. If you why are you doing PR say, for Blizzard? That's my question. Why? There, if, you, 
it, and I don't, I don't even want to go near the, the bootlicker or, 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 you know what I mean? Like, why are you defending a billion dollar company? I, I understand being on both sides of that. Like, I, I think you do too. Like, and going into Overwatch 2, a lot of people were very, very hopeful for the game and were shouted down called shills. Like, we've been on the opposite side. And to think, to sit there and not acknowledge that we've been on the opposite side of that and also can relate to that, you're also, again, kind of arguing in bad faith because we can relate to you on those things. And you're almost assuming that we don't, but we were there first, very publicly. Um, so, it's kind of interesting to listen to people sometimes say that kind of stuff. Um, Cause I think in a longer, more drawn out, uh, like where you have them actually articulate their thoughts, it's a lot harder for them to uh, kind of start or kind of have that conversation uh, a lot of times, which I mean, is okay. Sometimes it's not bad to, to, to talk about just how you feel about something, you know, like that's not bad. And even in, even in overwatch, like, you know, you can talk about like why, you know, like, let's say like, why mercy valk doesn't feel good like that's that's a that's perfectly fine that's a good feedback like there's people that actually like that feedback like oh you don't it doesn't feel good it's hard to just articulate why okay we'll try to see if we can figure out how we can make it feel better like that those types of things can be good but to 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 try to like police and go after other people's stuff off of pure emotion and feeling because something is like happening to you or someone else that is of that crowd is is doing it to you that I'm not saying that their excuse their thing is okay but you're also no better because you're doing the same thing so like uh, it's almost like if you were bullied in, in, you know, when you were younger, then you start bullying someone else because, like, I don't know, like you just it happened to you, so now like you you do it to someone else. Like it's just kind of like it's weird. Why are you doing that? You know what I mean? So I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's I think there's insane sentiments behind the idea of creators hit, like destroying the game because if the game was good, it would be fine. And also, you have to understand that creators are gamers and they're players. Like we we all been playing this for like years and you think that they don't want it to succeed and to sit there and uh and to argue sometimes like well you know you're you're killing your own views and stuff like that it's like dude why do you think that is like you like in your perfect world it would be better for us to sit there smile and shill because in the long run then everyone's gonna think the game is good you get more views and everybody lives in happy land and makes more money no that's dog shit that's stupid and to sit there and and to argue that is so weird why do you argue that way? I don't understand because then your original argument falls apart of like, oh, you're killing the game. Why would you want, why would people kill their own careers? That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like if they actually had the power and they knew they had the power to do that, wouldn't you just keep boosting it up? So then your numbers just keep climbing and make more money and your content credit and your everything grows. But that's not how it is because people are also gamers that have their own feelings. And they also want to hold things accountable and they reflect public opinion in a lot of ways. Not always, not everything is going to be perfect, but there's a lot of times where sentiments are echoed um, from the community and not saying it's going to be always the same thing because there's always two sides to every story. But I, I, I find it very, very interesting that people uh, feel so strongly about the whole PVE thing um, and the fact that they don't feel like it's, you know, not actually what was promised and they feel like that, it's somehow creators' faults, which is fucking hilarious. Like, dude, do you think Bobby yeah. Kotick knows who any of us are? You are <laughs> literally delusional if you believe that. So, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what I will I'll try and sum up again uh, is just like I think the only true thing that you could say if someone is being like deliberately negative or sabotaging is if they're being inauthentic with their feelings. So I think that's the first stance to bring, and you guys have addressed that, which is that. 
you know, well, everything you've said has been authentic. I, I, I'm sitting here as a neutral. I'm sure there's a lot of people who fucking think I lied or whatever, but I'd like to think that I, 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 I'm at the current moment shielded from this because I didn't tweet after the NDA call and I didn't make a PVs canceled video. So maybe hopefully the haters don't, don't, don't implicate me in this. But as long as you've been authentic with your feelings, then you can't be accused of, of deliberately lying. Now, if your sentiment is negative, as you said, Flats, what would you want? Would you want them to fakely be positive? Now we're shilling. So it's like that fine line between shilling and, and dooming that ultimately comes down to being authentic to your feelings. And as you've already addressed, ultimately, if people can verify for themselves by playing the game that it isn't as bad as people say they are, then your credibility takes a tank and people stop watching you because they're like, that guy always misrepresents the thing. And this is where I want to address a point which i think this is just factual like it's not even really an opinion so i will chime in which is that people vastly overestimate the influence of a content creator uh in that we just don't reach that many people like obviously we'd love to think we're very important but we're really not um and i i kind of made this point on twitter and someone underneath was like sent me a screenshot of uh, of the one of the one of the pe you know like some bigger youtuber that i'm not familiar with but had like three million views of like pv is cancelled and they were like, I'm not sure why you're making this point. I said, B, look. And I kind of laughed because I was like, you're actually just proving my point, my guy. Because Overwatch, according to their own data, Overwatch 2 has had like 30 million players. And Overwatch 1 had like 50 plus million. If the biggest news in the history of Overwatch 2, the one of the most watched videos can get a maximum of 3 million vi views in a game played by 30 million... That's less than 10%. I said 80% of people don't watch content. That's 10%. So either you're really dumb or you're doing my point for me. Like either you can't do maths or you're making my point for me, which is that like if one of the biggest news and all these big videos you can go check on YouTube right now, they're like 1 million, 2 million, 3 million max. And I must point out that you don't have to be playing Overwatch to watch a video about Overwatch. That is some of the people in the video who did not necessarily ever boot up Overwatch. They were just curious because their favorite YouTuber or their general interest in gaming caused them to click and watch the video. Someone can duplicate the view as well. So if that's the percentage we can reach at the absolute apex news that you could possibly want to watch about Overwatch, that tells you that like... 80% of people have no fucking clue what Flat said, what Frito said, what Stylosa said, what, what Asmongold said. They just log on, they played Overwatch one time, they're like, yo, this Moira change is kind of lit, but the rest of this is kind of shit. And then they log off, like, that's it, right? They might watch one video every now and then, they might tune in every now and then to be like, oh, let me watch a Karki video, see what changed. But, yes, Conjugars can most definitely influence, I think it would be undeniable to say they do influence some people, but they don't, I, I'm, I, my general, genuine belief is they cannot sway v vast amounts of public opinion because they just don't reach that many people. Like, they cannot keep the sentiment of a game away if everybody thinks the game is good, as Diablo has proven, despite whatever atrocities that Activision Blizzard may do, Diablo has continued to succeed no matter what negative sentiment people have had. Um, and as long as they're authentic, that's the really important part because if you're inauthentic, if you're like, oh, I believe PV is cancelled, but then you're like secretly, you're like, no, I don't. People can tell and that usually follows. Like there's very few, like YouTube kind of already had the clickbait apocalypse of like back in the day when clickbait, like 10 years ago, clickbait was like a genuine, much more common thing in articles and everything. And YouTube kind of did away with that because they realized that like one of the most, for those just again who may not have any insight, one of the most important metrics of YouTube is like watch time. So like people think that just clicking in a view is like, that's it, the creators got their job. But like if people click and then watch five seconds and instantly click away, YouTube hates that. Like YouTube is like, wow, people 
don't like what you're putting out, this is like a bad yes. video. And it will stop recommending that video to people because they didn't sit and watch because they if you lied if you were like pv is dead and the first like five minutes you're like actually it's not really dead i, I kind of made that up but keep watching youtube is like this is a shit video people felt lied to we're not going to show this anymore so if videos keep getting views and the creator isn't is being authentic again they're being authentic to themselves they're saying what they genuinely believe and people keep watching that means because people agree with what's being said or maybe they disagree and they're interested in the take Either way, I think the the argument that it's A, disingenuous, is in itself disingenuous. And B, that I think that it could have it could have affected the outcome of Overwatch's reception, I think is also just out of touch with reality. The facts of it, that it, it just, it, they can't. No matter what, no matter how important I may wish I was, I'm just not. So, I think that addresses that. Do you have anything on this note, fellas? Because we've gone on about it for a while, but I think it's a... Uh, a trending topic that maybe should have been addressed. Mm, the only thing, the only thing I would say is that there are definitely people that like intentionally like spread it. Like for I, I see the occasional tweet that goes crazy, and it's like, you know, like full on, you know, okay, that that guy's off the deep end. That is fully like not true at all. Like I don't know where that guy got that type of deal. I'll give you that, uh, and those can get lost in a lot of the you know, uh, the buzz of kind of what's happening with it. Um, but at the same time, though, at the end of the day, uh, all of it kind of circles back around to uh, playing on the words of what is PVE and interpretations of it. And it's campaign versus PVE, depending on who you're talking to. And if you are somebody that just reads the headline and then doesn't go any further, I'm sorry, I really don't feel that bad, at least personally i'm someone who likes to be informed a lot of times and i actually end up reading stuff a lot of times or watching it and actually seeing like what is this about um so if you're just a you're just a like a screenshot title thumbnail andy you're not informed enough to even kind of come to the table and have the argument about it that's okay but at the same time i'm not going to value it as much as somebody who maybe did sit down or watch any of anyone's stuff and then formulate an opinion and be like okay I don't like these the way these things are presented. And it's like, okay, fair. You know, that's one thing. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think most people feel that the the whole PvE thing has just been uh, another big blight on what is a long string of events for Overwatch. I think both of you brought up some things that I just sometimes take for granted and forget is the truth, but there's a lot of like content illiteracy that we're trying to explain here where it's like, actually, no, it works this way. And you know, there's, there are, like YouTube. I forget, I forget. Yeah. I, I was 16 when YouTube came out, I went to high school with the biggest content creator uh, on gaming who like broke the algorithm and forced them to change a lot of the rules. Like, like I was right there and I did YouTube for five years for free basically <laughs> before i uh doing it professionally for seven now so like the i don't know I, I i think people's oftentimes get offended on other people's behalf as well where it's like they understand you but they think other people misunderstand it so either they have illiteracy like like uh, flats was saying or they're worried about other people's illiteracy and you can't solve that regardless like there's there's no message that can be sent that if they misunderstand either the content itself or the the way content works on the internet uh, you can't save those people unfortunately there, there's always gonna be a percentage that fall for the uh african prince 
scam, right? <laughs> like, like those people exist, unfortunately, and there's nothing you can do to, to stop them from uh, even misunderstanding that reference things. might be might be a boomer reference now, Frito. I think it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's probably the new one. It's probably like a Discord hack or something. Like hack your Discord with some link or something. Yeah. Oh, um, free nitro, free nitro. Yeah, yeah get yeah. your free nitro here. Some equivalent. Yeah, some people fall for it, but what can you do? Okay, so on that discussion of of all things, you know, PVE and all that. Well, let's move on to the actual Overwatch game. I mean, it is. It's. I feel bad for season five. If season five was a person, I would feel very bad for it because it's been the neglected child of the family. Where even as the release of the season, we everyone has been talking about the season afterwards, including the devs who've kind of. They're like, ah, story missions are coming, and, you know, hey, we're going to live stream talking about the story missions. <laughs> we don't really give a shit about what's happening right now. But we did some buffs and shit, by the way, guys. I hope you'll check it out. And the uh, quest watch is out and everything. Let's start, first and foremost, with the actual changes that they made to the game. Because we are PvP players, first and foremost, and they made some changes. Um, so I'm going to quickly read them out, and guys, just chime in if you have any, like, strong sentiments on them. So the first change... Junker Queen, temporary health reduced from the Shao, and ultimate cost increase for her Rampage. Any strong feelings on Junker Queen? Thumbs up from Flats. I think Queen's just such an interesting character because the output she has at GM is so different than the rest of the game, and it's such an impossible thing for the devs to balance. And um, a good change, but I think she's just always going to suffer from the problems of being this, like, extremely punishing skill curve hero to, to fit because there was i personally don't like when they over buff a hero that's been absent and then in all my games i see i saw junker queen at the end of the end of last season i was like it was so boring to me man that's my least favorite kind of meta where it's like so obvious that at my skill tier one hero is the best and that's just the game now um I think other creators, maybe even, I, I think maybe I might guess uh, Flat's opinion on this, maybe don't mind a rotation of some metas, but to me, this just, it, I don't know, it makes me lose faith in <laughs> the competitiveness of the game. I just get bored and I'm like, because I know it's going to change. It's kind of the point. It's like, are we working with a game system where I can understand and, and figure out all the nuances or are they just going to change the numbers again? And this is one of those situations. So um, I'm it's optimistic. The, the answer is, is you know, Hero bands, of course, is, is what it is. And uh, if we're getting team queue, if eventually tournament mode, uh, I think draft mode might eventually rear its head. And so I just uh, bite the bullet on these kinds of boom bust changes and just realize that it, it's it's an impossible problem for them to solve. Because how do they make Junker Queen viable for a metal rank player when so many tanks beat Ramatra cycles three layers of armor health and just sort of stands there. It's like, how do you how do you balance that? It's not possible to to make those even at all skill tiers and no other game would expect to. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not a fan of arbitrarily changing the meta by buffing people. I mean, I think they said themselves she went from the least pick to the most pick, which, like, something fucked up at that point when, when you make that kind at of buff. So. Masters Plus, I think they said, or is it GM? I can't remember. I think a GM, she was definitely, like, the most effective or whatever. But, yeah, like, I, I mean, she was definitely much higher pick in every rank. So, I mean, I, yeah, I personally would rather a hero just be balanced. And I think Junk Queen was is a very skillful hero, and or at least was until the Giga buffed her. Then it kind of became free. Um, Can I ask so you I'm, guys a question? Okay, go ahead. Fla go ahead How much tank do you guys play nowadays? Not as much as I used to. But then again, I don't, play, I don't play as much Overwatch as I used to. I think this is why you guys have this opinion. Just saying, like, tank is probably the most miserable it's ever been. At this oh, point. I agree. That's why I, I don't agree. play. No, I, I agree with that too. <laughs> yes, but like, I, I play with my friends. Point. 
that's why I actually disagree. I think that the artificial inflations of numbers to change things up is actually the future of Overwatch. Like that's how really? the game will become enjoyable. Um, I think you would need to pick up the speed of patches. I don't think once a month would work uh, because it's too long. You'd have to get closer to two or three weeks for that to actually work. But unfortunately, what the meta is in ranked gameplay, now you'll hear pros come in and be like, well, that's not a different environment. Even in like mid to high top 500, the meta for tank players is just you're constantly swapping. Whether the enemy tank is counter swapping you or now the DPS counter swap you or the supports counter swap you. There is so many options now for counter swaps that like I played a game yesterday where I actually didn't know what to pick. Like I, I didn't have any options. There was literally zero options for me on the table because of what they had. Like it was just, there was nothing to do. I was like, guys, I, I have nothing. Like I was like, I'd literally like someone tell me something. Like I, I was playing with Karki. He's like, I don't know, dude, I have no answer. He's like, can't go Winston. Couldn't go, couldn't go Ryan. Couldn't go, couldn't go uh, diva. Couldn't go junker queen. Couldn't go Zar. Like I ended up going Zarya. It was the best pick I, I could think of. But like, Dude, with like the way now May and Cass, Sim is still really, really, really strong and good. Uh, you have on the support line, you have Kiriko, you have Brig, uh, you have you have the the insane mercy hit scan pockets going on. Uh, if they if you go Winston, they've got the, the you've got a million options with like you know things like Torb and whatnot. There are so many options to just turn off your ability to play the game. It's not fun anymore. It's legitimately one of the most miserable experiences in gaming, I would I would argue. And unfortunately, because tank is like so strong individually, it's hard to have the conversation with someone who's like a DPS player or support player because they're like, well, you know, uh, I should be able to do that on cast because, you know, if they get near me, I, I have to get close to them and throw the grenade. It's it's it's, you know, it's scary. I'm also someone who believes that tanks should be able to 1v1 almost any hero in the game because you are a four to seven hundred or six hundred hp character versus a 200 hp character unless you severely suck you pretty much win the 1v1 but if two characters work together they beat you right so that's a good that's a good system but now we're at a point where you actually don't don't win the 1v1s a lot of times unless you play it perfectly and then you scale that up to a 5v5 fight oh man i can't tell you like it's it's insane. Like you you know people people remember things like Zarya walking at you and like and killing your whole team. You're like, well, you know Zarya's too strong. Yeah, you're standing too fucking close, dumbass. Like your tank is standing next to their tank, and then Shank goes, wait a minute, their team's standing like three feet behind him. Fuck this guy, and walks by him and just kills like two or three people, and that's what they remember. But you fucked up by getting that close or giving that much ult charge to the Zarya. That's not Zarya being OP. That's you playing like a moron, you know? But it's it's too hard of a conversation to have. And so it's just this endless counter-swapping cycle. And, you know, I wonder. I think, honestly, this, this and I want to say this balance team has done a lot better than old, the old balance team, like leaps and bounds better. But I think they are severely struggling on how to balance tank. And I, either they don't have a good philosophy for it yet or the philosophy is flawed. And I'm not sure which one it is. I think a few podcasts ago, I described it as like returning to Overwatch 1. Little yes. did I know how true that was going to be with the CC. I, I think I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> Tank's miserable. I think we just uh, maybe 
again disagree on what they should do about it like i like i i don't know if junker queen being giga buffed a season helps any of the things you're talking about basically uh, so in high level it does though because you know what to pick like everyone picks junker queen and there is no better option so like yeah they will try to counter swap you but you're all like that is your best pick that's your go-to and you like you play junker queen as best you can and they play junker queen as best they can and both teams kind of have to like work around the junker queen and also work to fight against the other junker queen instead of the endless connor swapping battle does that make sense so, so i, I think yeah. what you're saying is like like it's more skill based if there's a clear giga tank as opposed to now you're just scared tank boy who has to run from the bullies of yes. the 100 counters in the game so yes i understand well, that because, point, well, basically, I, I don't like mirror metas is the, is the issue i think yeah, yeah I, I chime in on. I agree with that, but I think also what what your your, your point is absolutely right, Flats. Which is that when Junk Queen is giga buffed, it's the only time you actually get to play your hero for the entire game as tank. Otherwise, you're just playing Mister Hero essentially, right? You're just like, oh shit, I gotta go play. Okay, so which is miserable. And I obviously I was like the first guy to be like, this is dumb. We don't want this. Please don't put this in the game. And and here we are. I think the point I would bring up to you, Flats, is that that works for you because you're a very good tank player who's pl capable of playing many heroes. The problem is that that's not the majority of the people who play Overwatch, right? They like I think the reason people play Overwatch is because they like a few heroes or a few playstyles and they want to play those heroes and playstyles. If I, I agree everything you've said about the tank role, it is miserable, and I've said this as well. Like, it's miserable. That's why like half the people just like that's why I always find that like if one role is so clearly miserable, and especially when it's tank, demonstrably Overwatch has suffered. Like demonstrably when tank is shit, Overwatch suffers. The problem is, if you are forced to just play the optimal pick, that's boring. Like, that's playing to win. People play to have fun, yeah. right? Like, that's... Yeah, like, you're not most wrong. People, you're right there. Most people play because they're like, I like Reinhardt, right? Like, I, I booted up Overwatch because I really gravitated towards the style of Reinhardt or the style of D.Va or the style of whoever it is that you love, right? And when you're constantly forced... Like, th th that's the real problem with Tank, is you're constantly forced off of the hero you actually want to play while everyone else in the lobby gets to play largely what they want to play, right? Like, when people yeah. want to lock Moira Mercy in your in your backline, nothing stops them. No, Like, you know, they're allowed to pick Moira Mercy, even if you're like, man, they're running Ana Kiriko, I sure wish my supports had utility, right? Like, you just you you just get dumpstered, because that's the role of the tank now, is to get counterpicked and dumpstered. And I think that is the fundamental problem that they need to address. Because I, 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 I think you can have a balanced game where you don't have to, like force a hero into the meta just to like create something that they're playable with the problem is i so i don't want to be too doomer but i'm gonna say it now that we're now that we're here i think the pro the fundamental problem that the reason why i've lost so much faith in the watch is not even because of the pve because i think you can like you can come back from the pve being mediocre if the pvp game is still good the reason i fundamentally oh, sure. lost the fundamental reason i've lost faith in the watch is because i think they just want to encourage as many free wins and cheesy, easy ways out to win a game as possible. And I think the counterpicking is all part of that. I think, like, we scroll down a little bit to the May cast changes. It's like, the problem is, the the, the philosophy, I know this argument comes so many times. I've, I've exhausted myself having this argument so many times about counterpicking is not a skill. And the people always come back to me like, well, game knowledge is a skill. Let's be game knowledge is a skill. The fundamental problem I always have is like when you can just pick a hero and pick someone else out the game, like you're now destroying their ability to play their unique play style, to play, to express their skill. And there's too many things in Overwatch at the moment and this philosophy continues to exist. This is why they introduced the counter swap alt charging. That's why they're giving CCs to everybody. They're like, oh, well, every role should have a bit of CC because what they want is at any point, everyone should be able to go into the spawn room 
pick this hero and get the win. Like, that's it. That's that's the depth at which you're playing Overwatch is, I went back to the spawn room, I switched to this guy, and now I win. I'm so good. That's great for the guy who plays Overwatch, like, one hour, two hours a week. The problem is that it's a self-defeating philosophy because what you want is people to be interested in playing Overwatch. The longer they play Overwatch, the more they become victims to that than they are beneficiaries, right? The better you are, the more likely you are to be the one getting counterpicked. The more impact you're having in the lobby, the more likely everyone else is incentivized to run into the spawn room and be like, that guy's the one who's the problem. Let's just make his life miserable, force him to not play the hero he's good at, and like pick the most inoffensive hero that's the most resistant to crowd control or anything that we need. And then like that's then we can play the rest of the game. So the problem is, is a self-defeating cycle in Overwatch. It's like, it's a built-in loop that causes it to fail, which is why I truly believe, this is the clarity I was talking about that I can see now. Because I played Apex Legends for like a week, and it's like the rank system they made is literally the worst rank system I've ever seen. Oh, it is like so the, the most dog shit dumb rank system I've ever seen. And yet, there's still like double the people playing Apex Legends at the start, uh, going by stream numbers. at. At, compared to the start and launch of a new Overwatch season, compared to Apex Legends' worst ranked season ever by every person's, like, estimation, and including mine as someone who just hopped in. Because, no matter how bad their rank system is, you still get to play Apex Legends. You get to play the fundamental game loop that was promised when you downloaded Apex Legends. It was like, okay, what's this game? I drop, I loot, and I shoot stuff. Alright. You still get to do that. Yeah, there's ratting. There's a lot of people ratting. But that, that doesn't change. You still get to play Apex Legends. The problem with Overwatch is they're like, Apex or Overwatch, our world is unique and diverse and go relate to a character and click that character and roleplay that character if you want to. Don't you love Winston? He's a Heroes funny little fantasy. silly little guy. And exactly, the hero fantasy. And then you actually boot up the game. You're like, let me play the funny little guy. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm going to pick D.Va now, run around, chase you. This guy's going to go Reaper because everyone's like, they've got a monkey. We should go Reaper now. And then he chases you around the map. And then they go Brig. And then they go Ana. And, they go Z and they're like, make your life miserable. And so you don't get to play the thing that they were promised to play. You got to pick either if you're a tank, you got to play Counter Swap Simulator. Or you just got to play the like default, let me pick whatever counters them the most. And that's the problem. As long as that remains, as long as your goal is just to counter them, you're not playing Overwatch. You're just playing stop them Overwatch. And that is, I think, the problem that I see when I see these patch notes and I'm like, why are you giving this guy a, a, a homing hack? Homing hack missile. Why is this person body shotting 200 HP targets with just holding left click? Like, you know, like, why are we giving people free win buttons? Anyways, that was a completely unplanned rant but uh i'll let you guys it sounds like off. at the end you came over to my side i'm not gonna lie to you like <laughs> what just giga buff someone well yeah it, i mean that's know, a like temporary we're... solution though like i think there needs to be a permanent yeah. solution like the temporary yeah, solution sure. is giga buff it's... someone and like okay they're playable but the truth is the devs need to change their philosophy is like they need to recognize that what they're doing is just like bad it's it's another classic short-term good long-term bad right because in the short term it means you log into Overwatch and you're like, oh, I'm having so much fun picking Cassidy and winning. In the long term, when you're the one who wants to pick, like, I don't know, Farah or something, and then they're like, I just picked this and won. Then you're like, oh, well, that was kind of miserable, wasn't it? That was kind of shit, wasn't it? Actually, Farah's a little bit of a problem, so bad example, but um, you get what I mean. So, like, that's my, like, yeah, you could, if you wanted to temporarily keep solving it, you would just keep gigabuffing a tank and then someone will play tank for season. But the problem is that, like, if you're not inclined to win, and you're not inclined to play Junker Queen if they buffed her, then you're like, oh, well, I guess I don't play the game then. So it sounds like, though, you want 
so a little bit at the beginning of the argument is like, you know, it, it's mostly a high level problem. You know, at that point, it's like people want to play the characters they want to play, but they also want to win, which it sounds how like we're in the problem we're at right now is because they want both. But, like everyone has like a bunch of buttons to fight things so they can still play that character. Um, but at the same time, though, uh, I I feel like a lot of the casual players, like those people who just come on and play for an hour or two, like you said, uh, a lot of them don't really read patch notes. Um, you know, I remember a long time ago, I was told that like the dev blogs and stuff like they don't get nearly as much traffic as you think they do. Um, true, true. You know, it's it's mostly like just high like creators and like really hardcore people. Um, and then like, honestly, the videos probably go way further than anything else. Uh, but it's it's very interesting to hear that because like I agree with you on all of it. Um, even that it's just a temporary solution. But I don't even know what an actual solution is at this point. Um, because it seemed like we had a good one with just like removing <laughs> CC. <laughs> removing the CC, you know, going into Overwatch 2 felt really, really good. Um, but now, obviously, we have the Heroes Fantasy. We also want people to be able to pick something and not have to constantly swap. So now we just give everyone abilities. And, well, we're kind of back to square one very quickly. And instead of using the we're, we're just trading out wording, we're trading out the like I, one of the few things in this world that pisses me off more than anything is when people try to be technical with wording, you know, and it's like where we've exchanged what we call crowd control for either soft crowd control or uh, slow. <laughs> like, Those or are slowing. the same fucking thing hindered at the top of my screen ain't a whole lot different than stunned. They're pretty much the same thing. I actually would argue it's worse as well. Is I might be able to click left click back. That's the only that's the only difference. And I feel like everyone everyone said that Overwatch felt better without CC, you know? And when I said Brig would kill the game and everyone got really mad, it was opening Pandora's fucking box. And here we are now with two more big CCs from Overwatch 1 coming back. I'll never yeah. Well, look at the nature of the CC as well, Flats. Look huh? at the nature of the CC as well. Like, if you think, if you actually look at how they've handled CC, they nerfed Sleep Dart and Rock, and then they buffed Briggs so that, like, if you're on her screen, she stuns you. If Cassidy, if you're on his screen, he stuns you. May, if you're on her screen, she slows you. So, like, they actually, their approach to CC has been, like, the ones that require hitting. No, 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 no. The ones that require button pushing. Yes, 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 yes. I would even argue that the cast CC isn't even that scary to, like, most of the roster. Like, it's, it's scary to tanks. Like... Yeah. I don't know if you, how much you've used it, but, like, it's really not that easy to hit a tracer with it. Like, you know, if she even blinks once, like, when it goes for this, like, the like the homing effect, if you blink away, like, it, it can't, like, reach, you know? I did a bunch of testing on, like, Mercies and stuff like that, and if they're flying by you, one in a million chance you hit them. Like, has to be pure luck. Even hitting, like, like Ball's pile drive, he has to be right above you. If he's not right above you, like, it's a little bit, you know, finicky. It's kind of hard to hit him. But the, the easy ones are your Doomfist gone. Doomfist players praying for you, praying for Bo you, buddy. Boger keeps pointing uh, out in chat that you can interrupt Junker Queen's ultimate with the cast well, grenade. That, that was, I was I believe it's that. a bug, Junker right? Queen, you can, uh, no, I don't know if it's a bug, but you can interrupt Ryan's charge. Uh, you can have, so D May, I was playing DV yesterday on Dorado, Dorado second. You know, you can fly up into that like little corner while the snipers play on like the left side of second on the stairs. I couldn't fly from the ground to the stairs on the corner on Diva with a May holding left click on me. I couldn't make it. Like, it's not even a full story. Never mind the cast grenade too. It's like same shit. Winston stops most of his jump. Uh, I didn't know. Arista, Arista didn't uh, bother. But like, 
there's so many things and it, they're big targets. They're so, you can't miss. It's so easy. That's where it's really bad. So anyways. Yeah, I'll let Frida chime in because obviously we've gone on a Doomer rant again, which is just my bad. But uh, yeah, there's <laughs> anything. The only thing I'm actually Doomer at this point about everything else. I'm kind of like, whatever. Yeah, I, I want to just close off. I think all the things SBB was mentioning about the, the format of the game. We have a casual format with a rank system. And, and I just, I, you know, I think we all somewhat agree. And I think most competitive players, I, I am hopeful that they look for a more competitive format so we don't have to do boom-bust balancing uh, every other season. And we are stuck with that. So there's, there's not really a point to keep bringing that up from me. I apologize. But it, that is always my answer. Is like, I, I want a competitive format change. Um, I... I would disagree that it's hard to hit some things with the Magnade. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because I play a lot of Ana. I'm curious to what SVB thinks, but well, I, I think like hitting medium range Magnades on squishies is also easy, but then everything else Flat said about it like being super bad against tanks. Uh, and again, he plays at a different tier than, than we do. So the, the move, the, the ability of a top 500 uh, ball player to bait out cooldowns is so much better than most other players. Um, so our experiences will be different in that regard but i think magnate is actually better than any cc in the history of the game i think i That's think it's just talk. better i think it is better because of how easy it is to hit and it, it makes you not be able to move slows you as opposed to like cast stun from overwatch one you actually bobbled the animation right so like you hit a genji or a tracer they weren't slowed they they got in a weird animation, it was actually hard to hit the animation in a lot of cases. So the whole like oh, counter tracer thing w w didn't happen a lot of the times. Like tra tracer Wait, won the matchup at higher tiers. You Most oh, people would say it. No, 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 no. It was no a skill way. matchup, it, it, I would say. It, it, yes, yeah. it's it, very similar to now. I think yeah. now that with the hindered status effect, it's actually better than it was then, in my opinion, because there's so many things where you literally cannot respond. There is no button to press because the, the cast done was immediate. And a lot of those stuns back in Overwatch 1 were worse because there was multiple stuns. I, I think with That's where it we just are being, if, if you only have one, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. It's just like, but if we only look at one at a time, I think you're just walking around with this nuke that's like super easy to hit because being slowed for a duration to me feels stronger than an instant stun that they have to hit. And it, this, this is a skill tier depending problem as well. But for like 99% of players, I feel it was harder for them to follow up on like a quick one stun than it is for the hindered status effect. I think, I, I think this makes cast like super good for any average player all of a sudden, even better than Magnade uh, actually, like cause Magnade could get some free kills now and again, wasn't good against tanks. But now I think Hindered will get the same free kills and is amazing against tanks. It's so much so that some of the mobility ones are like absolutely useless. Absolutely useless. Like unpickable useless, in, in my opinion. So uh yeah, a rough, a rough direction for them to go. I, the funny thing is I think this patch plays kind of well overall, but tank is miserable. It's so much so that you have to pick a durable tank that has some way of defending against these types of things if you stand a chance. Like, I think Orisa is probably going to get played on more maps if they go full anti-tank stuff. I, I, I think you got to, like, play sit and wait even worse. Like, a few podcasts ago, I think we were talking about how, like, tank, the role has changed. It's like the, the gas pedal on that direction is, is so much more now because you have to be so fearful for your life always. And it's it's like... I don't know. I, to me, it feels worse than Overwatch 1 because Overwatch 1 tank felt miserable with the right team combination. 
Now I feel like one character has the ability to stop you from existing, to turn you off, as as Flat said. So, all right, yeah. those, those are my thoughts on it. Those compound too, like, and you were talking about like you know at high level you have to bait out those cooldowns, right? Like, but like imagine you're playing like Junker Queen, right? And you want to go for Queen Ult. They have a Kirko, they have a Brig, and a Cass. You have to bait out Magnane, you have to make sure they don't have Rally, and you have to make sure that they have used their cleanse, and you only have a small window to do all those things and not die. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's beyond what I would argue is reasonable uh, gameplay. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many buttons from so many characters that it's like, well, oh, and like, you know, like, May too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this... It's it's go beyond. I see what you're saying. Like you're saying, like you. So what you're saying is like, old Flash is weaker than what this stun is now. You think the new stun is stronger than old Flash, right? It's it's hard to compare because there was two tanks then and all this. But yeah. like I think the game is more deathmatchy. It's more one v one. And I just think in more cases, more things are actually screwed against hindered. That like yeah. like it, it's always that. good. Whereas, uh, it depends on what era of the game we're talking about as well but like so you could fan the hammer stun fan the hammer roll blah, 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 like tank dump eventually at, so maybe that was better against tanks it kind of depends what we're talking about exactly but yeah, yeah. I, I think the point is if it's even like a debatable the whole like soft cc oh it's still a pve <laughs> oh it's just a soft cc not really a cc it's just stop it stop stop gaslighting me <laughs> like I, I don't know what cc is like like it's it's the same thing and i would argue worse it doesn't really matter to me like the, the fact that it's even comparable is like we just went around in a big circle for nothing that's what it feels like with so many things of the game and particularly as well after the pve thing we're going back full circle with with you know as flat said uh the brick changes were uh, i guess an omen of things to come and the more they add and the more you can freely pick uh, whatever you want you can build these comps that are just like in insta stun everything chain stunning what now we have everything has a stun now you can pick five stuns if you want that was part of the problem in Overwatch 1 that you were trying to get rid of. <laughs> I thought that's why we had to do all this, all these other changes in overhauls. Like, I, I, I don't know where they're going, man. Well, again, it's like that. It's like they started with the philosophy of, well, we're removing crowd control. And then it it led to people being like, wait, I can't kill the tank. Let's let's be real. That's kind of what happened. People were like, wait, yes, I can't kill the tank. that is what happened. And then they were like, well, every neural needs to have crowd control so that they can stop the tank. And that's, that's the fundamental issue is that either... It seems that the Overwatch is wrestling between the philosophy of like let the tank play the game or completely obliterate the tank, and when they let the tank play the game, the other roles complain that the, the one tank is too powerful, and when they don't do this, then the tank is just miserable. So I will add to Frida's point. I think the effective threat of the flash of the Magno grenade is is like longer than the flash because like the flash was like throw and it exploded and it was done whereas like the Magno I think what Frida's talking about is, is very more applicable to the to the outside of GM ranks as well because like you can accidentally hit the Magno bang like you can miss quite generously and accidentally hit the Magno bang and I'm currently playing Tracer so it's like I've had some hilarious like I only played like one day of Tracer because I'm like one tricking Tracer for seven days now and I've had I've seen some hilarious like chasing me around finding me around oh, these yeah. areas like Magno's that like they still be doing that so it's just a very frustrating ability, but I think a lot has already been said on that. I want to quickly point out, actually, that someone has alerted me that there's an update to the, you know, the blog that announced the PvE pricing? There's an update at the bottom of that blog that says, Update Friday, June 16th. In order to deliver the best possible experience for the new Hero Mastery mode, we are postponing the launch of the mode to our Overwatch 2 Invasion mid-season update in September. Thank you for understanding. So the Hero Mastery... Wait, so Hero are, Mastery's pushed back? Yeah, to the middle of the season. 
Which, uh, like, uh, you, you think objectively, you're like, well, you know what? They're doing the right thing to make sure they deliver oh, it right. But when you combine it, when you combine it with what just keeps happening, you're just, you, how many, again, this is, this is what, this is what the people who, who say that Conocrates are too cynical, that's what they don't understand, is that, like, how many times you want this to happen before you start getting a little bit peeved? How many times you, before you're like, not again, Blizzard, not again. Frito, did you catch that? Yeah, I heard everything. Um... A fun detail I forgot to mention earlier is they updated the terms of service of the game that if you play the game, you are not allowed to file a class action lawsuit against Blizzard in, in their legalese, um, which is like an interesting little detail. I don't even know if that's like a thing you can put in a terms of service. Like, is that is is that legally binding? I don't know. But there's language in the in the terms of service now that who's going to um, find out. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting it's a little bit of an admission of guilt i feel but anyway yes i don't i don't really i don't even want to wade in because i don't really know how these things work but my instinct is that that sounds as scummy as when they change their terms of service leave those on the side yeah like, don't worry about they, it till that day comes and let someone who's smarter than us handle it let's some, let someone sue it <laughs> let's find out the hard way like but it reminds me when uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged came out and they changed the terms of service so that you couldn't make a game inside of anything Battle.net related without them owning the rights to the thing. So it's like dystopian classic stuff. did they do stuff. that to Fortnite? Didn't they like uh, DMCA, like Fortnite maps that were like COD maps or something like that? Or is it Ro Roblox or something like that? They it's, just a, it's just another classic sad corporate dystopia that we live in. But anyways, speaking of uh, dystopias, this one, Roadhog buffs. Uh, now amplifies something received by 50% for 2.5 seconds. How do you feel about this? Battery to generator for alt. Useless I mean, hero in the CC meta that we have. Absolutely useless. You just, you just farm your ult. That's all you do. I think, I think like uh, Cass and May were already like good matchups against him. And, and because they have anti-tank, you pick a tank that can be anti-ed by abilities, it's like, good luck playing Hog. Like, the the, the funny thing is about this whole, like, counterpicking meta thing that we're talking about, with them leaning into it, it's like the wrong heroes are so destroyed now. It's so much worse than I could even have imagined, in my opinion, where, like, if they, if they have one skill um on their skill tree, <laughs> if they build for <laughs> DPS, I counter tanks by just throwing a, a instant attach cooldown onto them like good good luck and it's not even that hog has an escape ability that's just how good uh some of these things are in general like just slowing him down and um i kind of walked away when we're still talking about cast but like the fact that cast who's a medium range and they buffed the range on it as well hit scan also has a like flex dps ability in my opinion of a disable at all like like a hack that it explodes and it's easier to hit. You you whip it out. It like hack. You have to cast for a moment and can it be interrupted by some things. Kind of a corny mechanic in general. I look forward to her getting reworked. But like at least that has like limitations to its power in a way where she doesn't have like this hit scan that can shoot at range. Like I, I I'm like flabbergasted how okay we are with cast being as strong as he is, and we kind of just switched from like widow being this god tier dps on some maps to like cast controlling such an outrageous amount of the game so um that's my answer to hog is my point where um uh while maybe you don't have the stun like back in the day to take him out of breather but you already were poking his head down you've got like so many options as as dps to make hogs life miserable so that if you're not like a super hog specialist like good luck playing him and if 
things are going to be this harsh in counterpicking. Why don't we just have a format that mixes it up? Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. And then the sneak nerf, the sneak buff rather to Genji, the accidental buff of extra ammo. I guess Genji players rejoice. Good job. Uh, let's talk Hanzo Widowmaker changes because these are like the quote-unquote sniper changes. I mean, the Hanzo changes are not really actually big changes. Like the they're Sonic nice, Arrow though. is they're nice. Like the Sonic Arrow change is nice. Yeah. The two fifty, the the one twenty-five to one twenty is like negligible because like I actually the... don't like it because I feel well, like May what we're saying is, is May. Well, yeah, it's yes. like he'll have a harder time against May and Reaper. It's not even that much harder to be fair. But I kind of like that a skill shot hero can battle these like resident sleeper heroes from just running over your team. Like, I don't understand why we looked at that interaction and we were like, oh, a sniper shouldn't be able to win this battle if he fully charges a headshot. Like, I don't I don't I just it's just the logic doesn't really pan out I mean, for me. I will say why does Reaper played... have to be even easier. Like, I love Reaper. I play. Yeah, Reaper. I, I also my love favorite Reaper. characters. Uh, but, but I will I will, I, I will say and advocate for the Reaper gods out there is that like it's just kind of like you lose it every range is the problem with Reaper. It's like you lose it long range, you lose it mid range, you lose it short range. Because like if he you have like your time to kill is so much longer than his time to kill. Like he just has to hit one and you're dead. And like you have to like hit every, you know all your shots in that time. So I mean I don't think this really makes a difference. Again, Arg was like this makes no difference. I think Hanzo's the best sniper in the game now. Like I, you just punch them afterwards. It's a big deal. Like you go yeah. same thing, right? So it's like. I don't think. I think he's uh, S tier. Is my opinion yeah. as well. With with Widow being nerfed, he's that. That's part of the reason why I put him in S tier. Because he's still decent at that job at that medium range. He can fight Cass, and there's no. And Widow isn't really that viable at longer ranges. He has the longer range now. Um. So on some maps, she might be able to insta kill him. But because Widow is such a specialist now, Hanzo reigns supreme. The balance of this patch is like super severe, in my opinion. This one, I like. Let's get this one out of the way because this is. I mean, we've, we've been talking a lot about the main cast changes because I think those will affect, like, a lot of, like, the, the the majority of, like, your average games. But on these certain maps where Widowmaker was a thing, this is this is genuinely a big shakeup. And I saw many a hitscan player cry many a tear over this patch note, which is that Widowmaker now, her scope shot has a significantly lower fall off. It's like, it just comes in sooner. Um... And basically, that means on maps like Junkertown, Havana, Circuit Royale, they're like it severely limits that range that previously was literally like across the map. Flats, I, I want to take it to you because I, I sense there's not much sympathy in your uh, in your heart for this one. No, I'm about to I'm about to flip the flip the switch and stop caring about the other roles. I used to always kind of be very fair to the balancing of all, uh, but uh, I'm over it. I, I I find no more joy in this point. Then I played a game yesterday of Junkertown, and my widow lost the duel, but he lived. He was like, <gasps> he was like, oh, I lived. Like, <laughs> fucking great. I love it, dude. Like, I, I'm so sick of loading into a game and going, well, they have Happy on Widow, and I have uh, a junk player and a Torb player. Uh, we've already lost this game. <laughs> it's already GG at the spawn room. Now, you know, they have to get a little bit closer and close enough to actually take some damage. Widow is still good. Like, People are still playing Widow on Chunkertown and Havana. That should tell you everything. That should tell you everything. The only difference is now, instead of playing in the back corner room of First Point Junkertown, where it, like you are so far away, you need binoculars to see them. They now have to play a little bit closer, and now they're a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more, you know, in a bad spot. You know, when you're playing defensive Junkertown, right? Like the Widow always swings wide in like that one spot, like towards coast. 
she can still do that. The only difference is now she can't headshot the people that are coming back from spawn and kill them. She can headshot everybody on the stairs though and kill them. That's very reasonable. That's not crazy. You know, like I, I think it's actually a really, really nice change. Um, and we should monitor it and see if she needs like anything different. But I, I think it gives people a chance to fight back because she didn't really have like drop off like she did. But like, come on, let's be real with ourselves. And all, all the other characters that are not snipers fighting against it, you just didn't have a chance to kill her. Like she was out of range. Now, with a small adjustment, you know, to your play style, you can actually get close enough to like do some serious damage and, and threaten her out. And I think it's good. Like, if, you know, yeah, obviously they're not a sniper, but you know, at the same time, people don't argue that snipers in Call of Duty are the same way. Like people run around quick scoping back in the day. Like, you know, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll play a little bit closer. You'll be fine. You know, you know, you don't have to be back in Narnia. <laughs> Peter, how do you respond to the charge that a, they're, they're nerfing this very skillful character and B, that these progressive hitscan nerfs have allowed the flyer heroes to be a lot more problematic, namely Farai and Echo. Good, I play them. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, projectile master race. Um, the playability of the game goes up with the Widow nerfs, to be honest. It, they, they, it's like a sad sacrifice that has to be made for, for balance. And, I mean, I try to tell you so, that it would be better to be able to pick maps and have the map drafts or hero drafts, but we can't have that conversation. Instead, we have to expect balance to solve these problems. So um, I think what I'm a little afraid of is like Widow just not being an option for 99% of players. That's kind of the sad bit of it because the range nerfs are to the point where Widow can't control the map in the same way. And I haven't fully kind of recognized what this means but there's just a lot of positions and spawn traps which were oppressive but were like key to her being able to control the map and then once the enemy flankers and and flyers and and whatever uh gets on the map then all of a sudden she just wishes she was any other hero and i wonder like so i've felt that she's still good so far but i wonder with if enough time and we really understand her limitations we'll just be like it's just not worth it um perhaps that won't come like I, like it kind of sucks that um a really difficult skill set has to be toned back in its performance in game to modify for how good people are like when the game first came out um there wasn't that many good widow players actually like as there are now it just feels like as time has gone on the percentage of players that have really good aim on the on this hero um is just like you see them in every lobby at like a lot of skill tiers honestly um so to that degree, you still see her get kills, but I just think like she might not be the right macro pick ever, potentially, if with enough time and enough adjustment from players understanding where her limitations actually are. But whatever. <laughs> the game plays better, I think, <laughs> is the truth. So too bad. Are you, are you ready for like an actual hot take? It's gonna get some very mad hit scan players on me. They're gonna they're not gonna be happy. Here we go. People say Mercy is like a, a skillless hero because she only has a very narrow skill sets, right? People are like, well, Mercy should never be as strong as Ana because for all the positioning and the tactics that you need for Mercy, you need to do all that plus shoot as Ana. Widowmaker is the mercy of, of DPS players because the, the, the skill set that you need is very limited. It's aim. That's it. For the other heroes, you got to position. You got to find the range. You got to find your cooldowns and manage them properly. 
uh, before this nerf, Widowmaker was the Mercy equivalent. You just needed to sit back and aim. That's it. You play fucking Kovacs. It's a skill, but it's one skill. So if you believed that, like, let's say Mercy was a very limited set of skills, so was Widowmaker. And now she actually has to play the game. So I agree with you, and I'll give you an even, like, super outrageous example. As bad as I said Cass is for, like, the way it's been balanced, that's more healthy than Widow on her on a Widow map in the situation Flats is talking about. You actually can do more as a player to interact with Giga Cass than you could if you weren't on the right role, if you just weren't on Widow yourself. <laughs> if the enemy has a Widow and you have two, two flex DPS, then you, the, the game's just not playable. And, well, we had a lot of those types of situations in Overwatch 1, and Overwatch 2 is better because there's less of them. And this is another one that they've now removed, thankfully. Um, I don't, I don't know what else they can do to make Widow fair and rewarding, but um, maybe her being relegated to the mercy of DPS is not the worst thing overall because a lot of the same things we'd say about mercy is like, well, you get a mercy on your team, you're kind of limited in what comps you can run and blah, blah, blah. And so uh, yeah, I, I like the comparison and I think it's, it's pretty fair and apt and maybe that type of hero shouldn't overwhelm the game. Flats is laughing his head off right now. He's having a time with this. I, 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 just, I, yeah. I, I understand. Oh, it's I know, brother. It's funny. Like, it's uh, like, like Mercy doesn't take over a game. Widow takes over a game. You know what I mean? Like, like, I, okay, Mercy used to take over games. If you remember back in like season six, like the Moth meta, we don't have a Mercy. It's GG. You know what I mean? So I, I can understand. I under, I perfectly know where you guys are coming from. But for me, realistically, I look and I go, Mercy can't get picked, and all of a sudden the game's over. You know, Widow can get picked, and the game's just over. Whether we talk about the extreme, like someone's cheating and like, you know, rage hacking all the way to just someone's incredible. Like I played a game with Kevster the other day on Widow. He was just out of voice and like he had sugar free as his tracer. And I went like eight and seven. They went like 23 and one and like 18 and one. And I didn't even play the game. Like I just sat there and what I just watched them just systematically dismantle a team. It was fucking is that, hilarious. Is that not all the more reason, though? Because what you're saying is that there was four skilled DPS in that lobby, but one with just leveraging the same skills they were the others had was able to take over. Yes, even though they didn't, they didn't excel that I, much more than the others. I agree with you. You know, like I understand the premise, but Mercy doesn't I know take it's over a hot lobbies take. like hot Widow take. does. So I'm with you, but like, you know, I, like, I deliberately, okay, this time for those who want to be like Connor Chris clickbait, I deliberately clickbaited that one. Like I could definitely be a lot more nuanced than I was, but I, I enjoy, I just enjoy the absolute tears that are going to come now. People being like, she's not like mercy. What do you mean? She's like mercy. I don't think the argument was based on its output though. No, like, I think we it's just about on, the, uh, it's just about the limitedness uh, of the skill sets. Right. And, and what should that reward? And well, because like if you're if you place. are if you are playing Cassidy is the shooting is the exact same thing. You're doing the same exact thing, but you one of them has to position the other one doesn't. So an, an interesting thing that um, I don't know if the community is clued into yet, but on some of these widow maps, I don't actually know. But the way like damage ant works, for example, um, on a widow. So mercy on a widow is going to actually extend the effective range of of the widow as well i don't know what the fall off of that would be like we've seen uh pma jelly's tweet everybody has i think at this point of the, the the fall off ranges but if if you amp damage that means as it scales down 
on the fifth, like 50 meters is how far you can go without a mercy. I don't know what it would be. I guess, is it 30% farther somewhere in between that range? I'm not a mathematician, but anyway, like I think you can replicate some of the older range still with uh, with Mercy on, on the Widow, perhaps. Might actually be a Mercy Pocket moment, which would be, I, it would, I, I think at some point as well, we're going to come back to the Mercy argument. And I, I know all the Mercy players are just going to like be so sad because it's going to happen again. Because now not only are you encouraged to pocket Widowmaker's Mercy, but the Flyers are back. And again, I don't know how you've been feeling flats on your end, but I play in the great land of Europe where oh, yeah, you're all the fucking flying fucking lovers are always online. So when I was playing on my main, it was a Farah. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, like 80% of my games, there was a Farah just taking over the lobby. So I think the hitscan players were, I might have baited them, but I'm not going to try and you know, win them over, they will argue that they were keeping in check a greater evil, a, an evil that's harder to, for the other lobby, to, the rest of the lobby to engage with. And are we going to have to have that conversation about flyers? And probably, to be honest, mercy in flyers again. I mean, we probably should have had the flyer conversation a long time ago, but Hitscan was just so strong and kept it in check. I think it still is with Cass. I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's a regional difference or something. I think most players uh, would find... The medium range hit scans easier to deal with flyers than than widow unless it's a widow map but i don't know that's just my opinion i guess they would but i think it's like the the power or the power decreep of of hit scan over time they have had like their few tweaks here and then i think that's what the argument is that like that was enough to keep the flyers in check and now it's all unleashed the last door is always open the Widowmaker is out of the thing because the, the thing is like this the, the hipless hitbox skybox farah is the range the Widowmaker would interact right now she can't yeah. even so now when you're skybox farah you're you're like untouchable you're literally like who's gonna hit you especially with the mercy pocket right like the the shots required to even kill her is like getting healed by the mercy so I, I think I think the truth is we pushed the mercy problem down the line by the changes we made because everyone was complaining about the damage boost and we didn't actually address the damage boost or the pocketing, which is what everyone hates. And we I, I think, I unfortunately for the mercy players, I think this is going to come up again. Like, I, I don't want to utter it. It always comes up again. It always does. It's just when. Yeah. I think at some point people are going to be like, she's the problem get her like they're gonna point to the crowd like they're, 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 they've been pointing here or there but at some point they're gonna be like that her, her get her get her officer and we're gonna be back where we were like a couple seasons ago May so so well, where, where do you think they'll go with this then like what what should they do should the infinite flying farah in the skybox should that be taken out because i feel like that's a eu skill set problem like I, I i just feel like i don't find actually that many people who are good at flyers and i play them so maybe i'm biased but um it's a massive console problem too though so yeah the the whole like fly infinitely thing is kind of an overwatch one thing like at the launch of overwatch one it far couldn't stay in the air forever she would eventually fall and they changed that eventually so Maybe in Overwatch 2, that's that's where they, they need to go. It'd be a little bit more like Echo, who's got like a cycle of going up and up and around and whatnot. The, I think this cast is just so freaking strong, dude. Like I just <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know. I it's hard for me to feel like like they'll be better, but I think this is definitely one of the one of the rare occasions where the EU NA difference is actually showing. Because usually we have like a EU and NA are like relatively similar, and then like Korea is doing their own thing, and we we're not yep. Korean content creators, so we don't we don't hear about it. This is one of those things where it isn't just Yazin. Like EU just has 
at the highest level so many talented like flying hero players that it is like an actual difference of experience like how the game and i suppose this is what console players probably feel as flat rightly pointed out is like console players know that like yeah there's nobody fucking shooting that far out the sky like the game is getting taken over and like there's nothing you can do so i i'm curious how this will play out obviously like there's less prominent eu country creators so we might not make as much noise but i, I think it's only a matter of time before yasin floats his way over and starts rank 10 on every you know dps yasin 109 is is all on the leaderboard and all of a sudden the conversation is gonna is gonna emerge again i think he's been doing like a bunch of other challenges like on ash and stuff so he's not terrorizing at the moment but i think when it starts happening we might have this conversation again and i think i i don't know to your question for i don't know the answer i think they do yeah maybe the stopping for far from flying infinitely is a, is a potential solution outside of like rework mercy which is a very broad thing then like i don't i don't have the answer directly flats anything to say before we talk on any of the other changes i got nothing for you there okay so we kind is, of... this, this makes me think of like argument why I always am so bored with balance conversation because what I want them to do is balance the game as a whole, but instead we balance based on small discrete interactions without anticipation of what the knock-on effects are going to be. And this is how Overwatch 1 got spun into a circle and I feel like we're just kind of going on the same road where um, they're trying to attack player experience problems with balance and in a way, in some cases, that helps, I guess. But it's not like it's not a catch-all solution ever. And so we're just always going to be running, uh, chasing sure. our tail on this. I agree, hundred percent. I, I mm -hmm. we have we have what we have, but like, yeah, that is that's just how the approach is. We're kind of obliged to comment on it as commentators on the game. But I agree that a, a holistic solution is required. So we kind of talked about the main chain. Anything else you guys want to mention about it? Sam just was also like, I don't understand why. He's like, I, I, I'm sad I quit playing because I would be rank one on May right now, is what he said. <laughs> I think the good news is Aaron at least said that they're willing to go back on these things. So <laughs> live service yeah. game, um, I think it's kind of ridiculous. I think Cass is way stronger than May as an individual hero, but in team play, May is way stronger. Like, like it's ridiculous that we still have the cleave freeze and then it goes up to 50%. Like Flats is describing like he can't even move or escape from it. It's like... 75% freeze. It goes up to 75% move speed slow. Mm -hmm. When you have like the icicle on your boots before she shoots you for the explosion damage, 75. Oh my goodness. And yes, that's and that, that's yeah. the kind of thing that kind of only hits tanks. So I just don't understand the point. It's like, it's so misshapen the way this has come out. And, and it's done in a way that almost feels like it, they weren't certain what it was going to affect because the effects are so lopsided in in. Like, what's, what's their goal, basically, I guess, is my question. I think what they said was they want to recreate the little May minigame from Overwatch 1. But that one, turning the enemy into a full icicle, required a headshot again. Like, like just like the casting that I said earlier. It's like, why did we make that just easier? And does, on the receiving end, is what we have now any different than being fully frozen? I, I I really I really struggle to understand that. How is this soft? You can CC? shoot back, so it's like, you know. But you, but depending on what role you're playing, you really can't shoot back. You know what I mean? Like you, you're more in running or hiding or trying to stay alive mode, which is, I don't know if that's worse. 
And I, I, I feel like against squishies, it's kind of negligible because they should get away from you or not be at that range. Or if they are at that range, they're like a reaper or something who can fight you. So it's like, it's not useful against squishies and it's just like super boringly oppressive against tanks. So what's the point? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of my... Go ahead, Flats. This is what I meant. They just struggle. They don't... I don't think they have good tank philosophies. I think the DPS and support isn't bad, but like all their interactions with tanks is just very poor. And I, I, I don't will... know how to fix Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, I just thought of this. You're good, you're good. I will I will admit, I think it doing 55 damage per second feels way better. Because in theory, now you got an icicle. So I think in some ways, the super resident sleeper, I never shoot an icicle playstyle, which was viable for some people to, I don't know what level you want to say of skill, but like people could do that. It's sort of like the stun fan the hammer uh, argument from Overwatch 1, right? It's kind of, It was very a uh, boring way to get a kill. Um so that's a benefit, but at what cost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did it cost you? Everything. Yeah, I mean, I already gave my sentiment and why I think this is another classic, like, I want to be able to pick hero and win. So I, I think I think that it's as blunt as that. It's like, okay, well, I want to win while holding left click and then, like, body shotting someone. Um, and it's made worse by Cass already being a good hero with her, playing in the same comp, and now you can stack both, which now are both more oppressive than they were so far in Overwatch. And you also buffed Brick. So as far as like the whole tank arguments, we're just back to Overwatch one land where now you can make a full viable comp with all of these things that stack on top of each other. And they each make each the next one easier to hit. That's the problem with chain CC. Yeah. I also want to point out that like 30% is, is that like, sure, that's what like a Lucio amp is, right? So it's like, it starts at like a negative Lucio amp. Is like how strong it is so that's rather amusing when it first hits uh, you mean yeah when it like, ramps up really quick and then it ramps up so like even as she like presses the thing you've now negated a lucio amp speed like that's how much we're we're losing um in overwatch one it was kind of like a plat mechanic that it only really got value on lower level players and it wasn't even that useful for the most part i don't see why we can't go back to that like that being the effect because the, the time to kill on it was so slow that like, like the may freeze in it, originally before like i'm talking like launch era yeah. like like the wall was good but um, there was no multi-freeze there was no multi-freeze you couldn't well. yeah you couldn't multi-freeze and you could popsicle one target but the way the tank meta kind of worked then it's like you 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 wouldn't you as a tank it sort of felt like magnade old magnade where it's like oh you hit me with the magnade whatever like like that's sort of how it was as a tank. In it, you just stack because, more tanks and you just win. <laughs> yeah, as well. Um, yeah, the whole multi-freeze thing is part of the problem for me because in Overwatch 1, one target could gain some of the freeze, dodge it, and like cycle. And the next thing would come in front. And then you'd have to start over. And if you had to do that, you were screwed. But the problem is with multi-freeze, you're going to hit both those guys. So they're both getting screwed. There is no skill to outplay it. And I'll admit, the outplay it thing made it kind of useless. But I think that's good. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it shouldn't be a top-tier mechanic that's like, pick hero win game. Sorry to uh, no, go around no. the bend on that one again. But... I'm just going to move on because we have discussed that quite a bit. But like, any any thoughts on this tracer spread increase? We've seen quite a few, I will comment. We've seen quite a few at this moment now bug patches essentially right where it's like we accidentally did something oh we're leaving it oh we accidentally did something we're not we're changing it like that is 
slightly alarming, but I guess the nature of live service games as well, like they will sometimes release with a bug because they have a deadline to get to. But any thoughts? I mean, I will find out quite intimately because I've been running Tracer. Like I said, I'm run tricking Tracer for a week now. So I have already slightly felt like you're not quite clipping one clipping things the way you were before. So I definitely think it will impact, but maybe not the absolute best tracers. The she's a distance control hero, so surprisingly spread. It matters, but also she can overcome it at the same time. Like I still think she just solves the DPS role in a way that she interacts with so many things. E even as good as Cass is, it's like she can dodge it. She plays positions no other hero can play. So I think she's still a top tier pick personally. Also with like uh, Widow being worse, uh, like in theory, you could counter a Widow with Tracer anyway, in a way, but with Widow's like uptime percentage of the map kind of not having the same positions she can play, the spawn traps are worse, et cetera, et cetera. Like Tracer's like a more viable macro uh, pick in general. So like, um, especially if they're playing it. So it's like they're weaker and you, you're technically weaker, but overall, I think uh, she's a winner, let's say, overall in, in the patch. And the spread's like, it matters for ult farm and how far away you can viably hit things, but you can blink towards them. So <laughs> a lot of the time you can overcome that and still hit the hitbox anyway. Mm -hmm. Platts, anything to add? Not really much else. Well, let's get to... The boy Life Weaver, the much discussed, the much ballyhooed, and congratulations to my friend Boger, who's in chat, who became yesterday the first person to solo queue Life Weaver to GM after, I think literally he said 200 hours. <laughs> it's literally a thousand games or something like that. Yeah, like a thousand games, 200 hours. The the blood, sweat, and tear. <laughs> Is he good now, guys? Is all these buffs? Is he good now? Uh, I mean, no. Is the real answer? I know we're trolling, but. What do we feel about Life Weaver now? Like, a season on, I feel like he must be surely the most forgettable hero launch we've ever had. Orisa, launch Orisa was pretty bad. That was, I think, Ghost Era when she came out. So, but, but, yeah, I, I agree. Especially for the anticipation, I guess. Like, I don't think anyone was even interested in launch Orisa to begin with. Whereas, like, people wanted Life Weaver to be good, if it, it feels like. Um, Plus, yeah, we're in that service model where, like, the, the hero, like, now we do look forward exactly to that hero launch because, like, so much around, it's like a new season, we're, we're pulling everything around it, so for that hero to be underwhelming and the battle pass to be tied to the hero, it's like a double loss. I, I think uh, there's some, like, not very good comps that Life Weaver will be okay against. That's how I feel about him. With these buffs. Whereas before it was like that, that even was, wasn't very good. Like, cause the healing numbers are high enough now that he can escape and keep something alive. It's just like a really like not Overwatch 2 playstyle overall because all the supports have offense and he does not. I mean, he has his little thorns, but that's worse. If your offense is worse than a Moira, it's like, what are you really going to do? <laughs> cause you got, you got Zen and Ana and Bap and Kiri. It's like the offense in the support category is ridiculous. So Which uh, we're not playing assault anymore. So you can't really build a comp that just defends it's not viable on push or control in my opinion like i think you could arguably try to make it work on uh some like uh hybrid maps maybe on defense but it's just not really worth the the, the which, lack of playmaking which beggars this question which i'm sure flats will eat up how do you respond to the take that ashley life weaver is one of the more balanced supports and the other supports are just giga buffed they're just giga strong well there are definitely some that are way stronger but Life Weaver's clunky. Like, I, 
Listen, man, I, 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 I've been someone that says that like the supports are getting a little too strong many times recently. Um, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like sentence you to that fate. Like <laughs> going in between, like the reason why he's so clunky is like there's so many things that I just think are intuitive to his kit that could be easy fixes. Like, for example, if you're going to do damage, right? Like you swap to the thorns and then you see someone gets low, you have to swap to the heal, then charge it and then throw it. Like all they, all that these changes really did was just buff the numbers up a bunch. And I remember I said that forever ago after like we got to play him and I was like, well, he feels a little clunky and I'm worried that we're just going to start buffing the numbers of the moon until something happens, you know? And it's like, well, we're on, we definitely hit the launch phase and he's better, but he ain't there yet. So like, when's the second round coming? Like, is there going to be a second round of boosters coming on this thing? You know, um, because you know, it, you have to, the, the play style for him is basically just heal botting, you know? And it's like, if you swap to do damage, what's the point? Like either you're not going to do a lot. The only reason you do really damage is there's a nothing to heal or B like you are literally in life or death situation. And it's honestly better to run. Like it's better to throw a platform, go to the top, hope they didn't catch it with you. If they did catch it with you, jump away, hope that you can get some help somewhere. You know, it's like, it's not better to turn and fight. It's better to like, just, peace out and leave and that's not really that fun like and there's i don't see how life weaver is a very fun hero other than literally trolling like that's probably the most fun <laughs> part of the character is just going hey, yoink and just pulling people out of the fight constantly like i'm not sure I where the fun is for the character you know i think there's also like a deeper fundamental problem with just now how we're going to approach supports because remember like a while back uh, there was like a sentiment that well we should have more supports that are just healers right like just just heal we don't like why did why do supports have to participate in the offensive part of the game why can't we have more mercy types who are just healing i think life has shown us that that's going to be like a permanent problem that like can can never really happen in overwatch 2 because you're like basically you're always in competition with the other supports right so like that would make sense if you all had a pact to all play life weaver mercy or something but the problem is, if you stack your heal botting life weaver and the other support picks Mercy or Mora, which happens a lot, by the way, like because those are popular heroes, your backline is offering nothing. Like your backline offers nothing, and their backline can offer so much. Like their backline, if yeah. they're running Ana Zen, it doesn't matter what you do on life weaver Mora, as long as those guys aren't rampantly trolling. Like your team just cannot keep up with the output because just healing does not compare to an anti nade to a discord orb to like the actual utility that comes. So, like, I just think there's a fundamental problem. We can't really have, like, because you could have one life, like, you could pair Life Weaver and Ana and make it work because your Ana can do all the offensive stuff. The Life Weaver handles the heal botting. The problem remains fundamentally, and I'm sure Borger found this on his journey. If he has a Moira alongside him, it's kind of GG. Like, you can't have two supports who do this. And so, like, that will forever be a problem unless there's some larger change that stops that from being a thing, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think they're going to be like, you can't pick both these type of supports together. Like, I don't think they're going to do that. So you can't have a hero whose only utility is... And yeah, there's life grip, there's pedal, but like, it, it's clearly we've seen that that's not useful enough considering its niche uses. And I was one of those people who was hoping that people would find the use. I thought they'd find the use, but I was wrong on that one. Like, there was like, there's no use that compares to just Discord orbing someone or antenating someone. Like, whatever you may try and do requires so much more effort than just I push the Discord button, I push the anti button. So... There is a fundamental problem with this hero that, like, yeah, these buffs will, like... Essentially, what the buffs can do is ramp him up to be the best heal bot, potentially, right? Like, that's all they can really do. 
But again, if you're running Healbot and your other supports running Healbot and they run the heal the supports that have utility, like it's kind of GG. Yes, and I I love the hero uh, in many respects. I like the the premise of him. Um, I think the two places where he's good just don't aren't a big percentage of the game where like repositioning early in the fight where, where you're both up when everybody's up it's like he can keep you up and then when there's a big ult engage he can dodge away those are like his two things he does it's like overwatch is just too much of a 3v3 clutch situation flank around reposition and him offering that reposition to someone else looks silly when you have supports like kiri that reposition themselves and are the threat <laughs> it's like well what, what what is he adding at that point and uh i go back to just kind of just not really liking a lot of the overwatch one design that was in overwatch one and they're putting back in overwatch two where damage get disables like imagine if a reasonable version of the may slow was on his thorns folly and like he ramped up on on the slow or something because there's a cost to not healing doing damage could do something else but no damage have to have everything and uh, uh you know don't and I never liked that in Overwatch One, basically. Where, where, but again, they didn't design the game with that intention. The roles we have now were not how they originally designed the game. So yep. it's That's we're kind of like there's both this whole idea where, where Flats was like turnover and uh, different philosophies and changing like that's happened so many times in this game where it was going to just be this casual free for all game and they're like, well, but we want an esport, but we want this and like so this identity crisis problem is always uh, alluring, uh, uh, you know, being a problem for us considering because like. There needs to be a trade-off for how big his hitbox is and how rigid his playstyle is. Uh, and I think adding utility to something, uh, as much as all the soft CC talk has been a meme here, I think we would feel less bad about it if he was the one who had it, because what else has he got? Agreed. Flats. Mercy's got a spell. Mercy, Mercy's got damage amp. Damage amp is very easily useful to, to add offense. What, what does Life Weaver got? He just doesn't have an option in a game that's yeah, a, a lot about offense. That you just jump up and fall off of. Which might be good yeah. in 2CP, a mode we don't play anymore. Thank God. <laughs> well, it would be sick would... in 2CP, I think, for real. Like, like, yeah. like, you know, you know how, like, Sim would get played a lot in 2CP? I think, like, in, in many ways, Lifeweaver might. Uh, but, again, dead mode. It's true. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that brigade is always lurking, ready to unite and raise their pitchforks to bring back That's not what I meant! I didn't say we so should like, add 2CP! No, no. Play Star Watch! Tell me how you feel after that. <laughs> I still remain convinced. I, 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 I see it. It's coming back at some point. I, I think they're bringing it back at some point. I think they're going to be like, we did some changes and here's 2CP. Like it's the, we did everything else has had the, everything More else has had that. content? No! Everything Dude, else has had that, right? They did say they're bringing back modes. Yeah, CC has done that. The fire system, we haven't even talked about the on-fire system. It is nice to have it back, but we're, we are fully in the we brought back old content as new content stage of the cycle. So, like, we cannot be too far away. It's like that bingo card or, like, a, you know, inevitable, like, cycle that, like, eventually leads to the Heath death of the universe and eventually all roads lead back to 2CP. Like, we're, we're getting there. I can't, I can't imagine it's not coming back, but Flats is already terrorized. I feel like I'm, you know, like, the definition of insanity... Mm -hmm. I feel like we're getting there. <laughs> we are. Although I, I will say the on-fire system, great to have that back. The game just feels better for some reason, you know? Like, those little things were what gave Overwatch 1 life, you know? And 
everyone argues that all they want is better competitive balance and more characters. But like those little things, they fucking nailed it back in the day. It's 100%. I mean, that's why, like, all the sounds and stuff became so ubiquitous, right? The, like, illim noise that you get, like, like when you kill something, like, all those things were, were what made or what so joyful to, to play at the start, where you're like, oh, my God, I'm so good. But nowadays, you're like, oh, my God, I'm dying. Let me switch again. I'm getting CC'd. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, I, I mean, that's, I think that covers all the balance. There's a lot more we could discuss, but we've been going on for a while, so I will just kind of wrap it up for now towards Season 5, and I'm, I'm sure we can... Like, there's all these things that are coming that we don't really know about yet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, general impressions of Season 5, guys. we got, like, this battle pass that... It honestly looks pretty fun. It's just not... You know, when they advertised Quest Watch, I, I didn't think it was an in-battle pass little it's story voiced like it's you gotta read it all it's like it's just like a small novel like yeah it's cool it's good like you know but i, I agree with you it felt a little upset my 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 the sad thing i feel about Overwatch is i feel like they're doing the peripherals really well it's just that the core issues have not been solved like if this was if this was valorant again like i hate to keep bringing it up but if they had done this in valorant people would have been delighted they'd be like oh it's so cute like they're playing D D. isn't that fun but the problem is, like, that will not change someone's feelings towards Overwatch if they are fundamentally unhappy. They're not going to be like, oh, I'm not really enjoying playing this game. Oh, look at Tracer. She's reading a book that her girlfriend made. Like, that's so cute. Like, it doesn't work like that, right? Like, nobody's doing that. So, like, the it's nice. But, yeah, I mean, what, Frida, how do you feel about a lot of these, like, additions in Season 5? Yeah, I, I'm running out of energy to be overly upset, but I feel like they're insulting our intelligence when they make a roadmap and they say Quest Watch is coming and they've already had all these other watch things. I suppose we need to know what that means now because you got Lover Watch and you got Star Watch. One's a PvE, PvP hybrid. Ooh, PvE! Guys, that's PvE too, technically. They already even added the PvE. We even played the PvE all last season. Stop. Isn't the PvE great? That Doomfist PvE was amazing. No, Sorry. Stop. Uh, anyway. The turrets, so, guys, the turrets. Sorry, I, I couldn't help. I was consumed with it. Uh, Quest Quest Watch is so incredibly forgettable to me, and I just like I, I think Lover Watch was better than that, and and so the theme is amazing, but it's like nobody wants to hear you about upgrading your battle pass, man. Like it, it's such a lame addition, in my opinion. That at least, at least for me, I already liked the battle pass, and I don't see any. I don't I don't see why anyone wants to like read some off canon story during while they're playing like like i almost like the lover watch thing more because I, I didn't engage with that at all but it's like if you if you want to have a little goofy fun you can go on a site to do it i don't see why it's in the i don't see how that helps the battle pass is what i'm trying to say like the, for me it's like xp bar get cosmetic you're just gonna tell me a random story like i i just i it seems so out of place like and not useful to really anything like like in comparison if there was a campaign mission that also set in Quest Watch. Like, if we, like, it felt to me like we were gonna play some RPG thing. Like, I, I, I was worried it was gonna be a phone game, but I felt, I think, like, a phone game would be better than this. Like, like yeah, at least there was a I'll game. A you know game. what I mean? Like, like I, I don't know. That, that's how I feel about it. Like, like this, it has potential. It's sort of like Star Watch, but in another direction. Like, luckily with this, I could just ignore it, whereas Star Watch actually tried and then was disappointed. But, like, like th these things, they're, they're not substantial enough to really make an impact at any point. So uh, I think they're trying things out and, and, and the new model for them is like 
minimum viable product of an idea. What do you think of this? As opposed to we're going to churn through for seven to 10 years and then make a masterpiece. They, they don't want to do that anymore. So we're going to get these like uh, forgettable trial and error, uh, hopefully. And we'll see how they adjust. Uh, I think who said it? Maybe both of you like the, the new direction. Overwatch might be good in like two to three years after all this trial and error, because once once they get the feedback of like, oh, that was underwhelming, and then they actually learn how to make content for this, <laughs> well, may, maybe then we'll be in a better place. But um, I don't know. Skins are good. You know, Skins are good. <laughs> the upgrading Tracer thing is good too, Flats. You know, all that being said, uh, other than the most of the bulk of the content being in the back half of the season, I actually think this is the best season of content we've gotten yet. Um, the the theme, the skins are really good. I think that uh, like the idea behind the whole uh, like quest watch thing is like, it's cool. Like I'd rather like, you know what I mean? Like you can tell they're trying. There's some heart and soul in it. I'm cool with it. Like they didn't play lover watch. I think that's a bit of a mistake. That was awesome. Lover watch was fucking hilarious. Um, but like, you know, I understand like the uh, the sentiment not to play those types of things, and that's okay. I think that the uh, the Demon Lord game mode Captus Puppy made was awesome. I hope they do more stuff like that in the future, and they they actually engage with you know these very talented workshop creators who make good game modes. Like, yeah, was it perfect? No. Like, even you know he was in all of like our chats the other day when we were playing was like yeah you know what maybe Arissa was a bit of a mistake but the whole point of putting Arissa in was like in the lower like metal ranks you know the demon Ryan was just going to bully everybody so they needed something to fight back and the Arissa was kind of like the answer but you know anyone who actually is like you know kind of good uh kind of just gets bullied into like next year you know but it was fun we had a good time and I look forward to genuinely the Winston volleyball I look forward to genuinely the prop hunt I think prop hunt could go fucking so hard like if they expanded that you know and like it was like a bunch of different maps because it seems like it's only blizzard world so far but like you know what if each season we got another prop hunt map like that would be so cool like that would be fucking awesome uh and it's cool to see that they're trying things and they're they're really trying like that's in my opinion that's what i see like i see they're trying to like new shit because making content for overwatch is hard in my opinion it's hard like, what do you do, right? Like, even as a creator, right? Like, what do I do? I make daily content on three YouTube channels and stream and TikToks slash shorts daily for two channels. So 14 a week, 21 videos a week. And I struggle sometimes. Like, what do I do? Like, what do you put out? Things about the new characters, you know, things that are happening, you know, outside of the game. So like, you know, whether it's uh, a World Cup, whether it's Overwatch League, whether it's, you know, certain things that are coming up, whatever. Like making things for this PvP player base is fucking difficult. You know, like what are they going to enjoy? So I appreciate and I like that they're trying all these things. But it's overshadowed so much by old Overwatch and about like everything that's kind of happened. And so like you can't just ignore it. Like I if you if you sit there and you go, well, you know, like this stuff is good, like so you can forget everything else. No, like it just doesn't work that way. Like you want things to improve. You want things to get better. And I hope they continue to. Um, but like my only big problem with this season is like everything being in the back half. So I actually want to play all those things that they're coming out with this season. We just can't. I'm not sure what the decision behind that was to like, hey, here's season five with a bunch of new shit. Just kidding. Wait till next month. You know what I mean? It's like, what? 
thoughts, you know? So um, I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty hopeful for content in the future um, in the PVP realm, uh, which is obviously very different than the campaign realm. But point is though, um, you know, if you haven't really tried those types of game modes, I'd encourage you to at least give it a shot. Um, maybe with some friends because with friends it's it's way better and i think that's what the type of game overwatch is at the end of the day is overwatch is fun with friends overwatch is not fun solo queue overwatch is not fun as a not social game overwatch is originally meant to be a social game that was the whole point behind it and we as humans are very social beings and i can't help but be sad at least in my own personal experience over the years, I've watched ranked games even just become very quiet. Nobody fucking talks. I had a great game yesterday with Park Hugh and, and Warren, and we were all just laughing, talk, talking, having a good time. We fucking rolled. It was awesome. But it's so rare because nobody talks. Nobody wants to, like, nobody has, like, friends to play with. Nobody has people to play with. And a lot of these game modes, I think, would be 10 times better if it was, like, an encouraged way to play with others. But our culture of our game has been so shifted in the last, like, three or four years that it's, like, frowned upon. So. It's a much, much deeper concern. And I hope that in like two or three years from now, like you were saying, like I and I said before, I think that things could turn around and I hope they keep throwing shit at the wall because I think things are going to stick and I hope they keep trying um, and aren't discouraged to try new shit like this, even if it doesn't hit. Well, I think I think to add to your point, the thing I've seen as well, at least just from my vague social media followings, is that the people who are having the most fun are... A lot of the people who are like what you might describe as a casual player in the sense that they engage in like more of the arcade in quick play in the lore and they're having a lot of fun with these things because these things are kind of again they they rankle at odds with the people who are like the pvp grinders right because like again if you're a pvp grinder you're not going to be too thrilled about popping into these modes because you're like already like you have no incentive to play the main game so you're kind of like annoyed and you're not going to log on but like for the people who are already like spending most of their time playing Mysterios and stuff, I think for them, like, you know, I've had a lot of people come into my chat be like, oh, I'm loving the Demon Lord game and stuff. So like these things are, yeah, they're great. Ironically, though, they're like antithetical to the audience. They, they have now said that they themselves are shifting towards, right? They're like, we don't want to create a yeah. PvE audience. We want to create a PvP audience. Well, a PvE audience would have eaten this shit up. Like, an even PvE audience would have loved all these things because they would have loved to get invested in the lore of the game and, like, the characters and, like, oh, they're role-playing. So it's like, and I, I think, again, this is one of those things where you should definitely separate, like, the, the departments of the development team because, like, these are, like, objectively, they're, like, great. They're, like I said, if this was Valorant and, like, they were doing this, people would love it because they'd be like, this is so fun and creative. Like, they're doing creative things and, like, shout out to the people who are making these things because they are... As you said, they're like they they require effort. They could have done so many more basic bitch things, but they went like they went left field with it, and it's fun. And I like them being silly with it. It's just sad that, like I said, it doesn't address the core issues. So you're left with people being rather disappointed that they're like, oh, well, I thought it was going to be something I could actually play, but it's just like a thing, and that's not changing again my experience with Overwatch. So yeah, unfortunate, but. Again, let's hope they keep trying, they keep and you know finding good formulas that work, and I and I do look forward to playing the rest of what comes. Uh, yeah, let's quickly run through again. I've taken a lot of you guys' time, so let's quickly run through. Like obviously, uh, we won't talk about it now. We can talk about it more later. The World Cup thing is great news, so I will just acknowledge that that's that's a thing. Um, and yeah, Frito season f- the, the the whole five v five season is coming, so I'll take you to concluding thoughts there as well. Is that kind of what you're most looking forward to for the rest of the season and, and kind of what you think 
will be perhaps the biggest takeaway from this season or, or what do you think will be left of season five when we look back? I'm curious what the, the community does with it. I mean, like I'll enjoy it, but what, what I like is kind of irrelevant. Um, I'm hopeful, but not so optimistic, honestly. Like I, I think the culture of the game has shifted too far gone to like it to be like, we're releasing it at a time when people aren't playing. Like if we, if we had this at launch, let's say, and we're like, oh, the matchmaker's bad. Or something I'm like well try team q that would have had a different impact than it coming out now where we're at the lowest point interest isn't so high so i look forward to a bunch of streamers playing like I, i'm gonna be teaming up with whoever's uh of our mutuals that that we know um and running different comps and, and trying things and, and see what it is um i love that part of the game but is are we too far gone for that to have any like momentum in the community you know I, I hope not, but it, yeah, it's just it's just poorly timed, I think, unfortunately. That, that's ultimately what I think. And if they get bad data on it, does that mean now we're we're done with this and we we get text-based adventures now in the battle pass for for the rest of time? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping this gains momentum, but pessimistic. Understandable. Flats, you already listed a lot of things you were looking forward to, but anything you want to add to what Frito said? Yeah, I mean, you have a really good point. Um, and I think the culture is a big thing. I think that actually I can kind of point to when it changed was probably around 2018 when XQC made his meteoric rise and was the biggest streamer in Overwatch. He was very much a solo queue only player and like didn't want to be boosted and like, oh, I don't want to play with other people. Like, I don't want to like people say I'm boosted or whatever. And then eventually ended up changing and playing with like Moxie. But when the number one streamer, like 20,000 viewers, which is very different than number one streamer nowadays, like, Number one streamer, what would you say, like Super Frost or Defran, maybe like, you know, in the in the seven to ten k max range, very very different impact. Um, and even then, like the Defran's doing unranked to GMs constantly, so like, you know, obviously those work. So that's probably why we've seen an uptick in uh, unranked to GMs recently. Plus, ranked is just kind of useless because multitude of reasons. But you know, like, there the culture of the game has shifted so so much. Um, at least from where it was originally. If you look back at 2016 and look back at old VODs, there was so many times where you'd have pro teams sniping into each other to 6v6, play each other like it's a match. Um, I, I think there's a really a really, uh, really old famous one. Like It was like, what was it? like? It was like Rogue versus NRG or something like that. It was like one of the best ranked games of all fucking time. It was like literally a pro match in a ranked game. You'll never get that again. You'll never have that experience. Um, we've been robbed of that. Even if somehow we shifted the culture over the next couple of years, that will never happen again, um, which is really, really sad to think about. And I don't know. I hope the Team Q thing goes well. I'll probably play it. I'll probably get my stack. will probably get shit on by a bunch of snipers or pro players, but we'll try to have a good time with it. Um, and I hope that it will end up being good. I hope that people will end up playing it more. Uh, but I'm actually kind of with you on that. And I think the timing is a little bit poor. Uh, and unfortunately, a little nervous that people won't play it as much. And then I'll be like, well, you know, people don't actually want team cues and they'll use it as like data as to like, you know, back up their reasoning. And, you know, it sucks a little bit um, that that's a real possibility, but I guess we'll see when we get there. Yeah, it's it's actually an interesting point. I won't dwell on it too long because I but I do wonder if the culture of, of streaming has shifted towards a a more solo queue heavy like play style and that has influenced perhaps back to the content creators influencing but like it seems like the culture of, of fps games seems to be a bit more solo qe at the moment anyways like 
I don't know if that's just a random observation I'm making, but yeah, like even in Apex, people will be like, oh, you should be solo queuing because like, you know, you're, you're stacking, you're boosting, you're getting boosted or whatever. Like, you know, your stack is like unfair advantage or whatever. So, I mean, I, I, I agree 100% that like it, all these things well, are better like Everyone says that all the time, you know, unless it's solo queue, it doesn't count. Yeah. Like, why does that exist? We you should know? just all blame XQC. I think that that's that's surely what it is. We just got to point, <laughs> just got to point and blame him for all our problems. See, that's 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 the truth. The one creator who can influence other people, XQC. I blame him. Um, different era, different era. I mean, I just checked when you were mentioning the numbers, and he's like just chatting to seventy four thousand people. The highest viewed Overwatch stream right now is J three on three thousand, and the entire Overwatch category is at twenty three thousand. So you want some juice? Yeah, I've never said this publicly. But back when I worked in Overwatch League, I remember I got to sit on a meeting with some very high people, and uh, it was the start of season two. And I remember how happy they were that XQC wasn't around anymore because he was a big headache. And I mean, now this, look, this is the Asmon Gold problem, isn't it? Like the the WoW devs being like, "Fuck Asmon Gold, he ruins everything." Right? It's like if there is a relief flagship content creator who can like that. That's where you're where you're talking about like potentially influencing the community, right? It's like that level of big true true that's why they get paid to come play overwatch 2 and we don't though on that sad note i uh yeah i mean i think i i, I just you know for me right now I'll, I'll be upfront that i'm not super excited to boot up overwatch less than you know i've probably ever been so i i am finding ways to enjoy again i i find my ways to have fun and i find my ways to enjoy overwatch but for me i'm kind of on the i remain to be convinced boat like i i I remain to be convinced by Overwatch that it's a game I should spend my time playing. So that'll be the litmus test for me is if so, if they drop something or again this 5v5 I will definitely engage in it and and hopefully it makes me be like oh my god this is the Overwatch I want to play. So I'm at the stage where I'm like yeah Overwatch give me something that makes me want to play you give me something that makes me feel like that love that I've that I had playing Overwatch like oh this is an amazing game I want to spend all my time grinding it. So until that point I'm just kind of a, I would say I'm a step removed watching and, and kind of just seeing how it goes so i hope i, I mean I, i'm not overly optimistic that season five will be the one i think we all know season six will be the one i'm slightly my pessimistic take is that like season six is literally the best season we will ever have i don't think we'll ever have a better content season than season six in terms of like yep. amount right like quality may come like we may have seasons that have like great quality updates but like in terms of like we're never going to get i don't think three hero missions uh a new hero and like a bunch of all this other stuff as well, right? All these peripherals. New mode. I mean, the hero, the hero, yeah, the new mode, the hero mastery might be delayed, but they're still coming in the season. So like all these things, we're never gonna get this much at once. So like, a lot. We're we're back to the lot is riding on this thing, right? It was it was a lot is riding on PVE. Now a lot is riding on season six. So, and technically it is the launch of Overwatch, right? Like, is that not? It's technically the the real launch. Yeah. So that's why see. we've always gotten along. We always change when the when the information changes. You know, like if the circumstances change, my opinion will change. But if the circumstances don't change, then it doesn't change. And I think that that's a sign of someone who is mature and intelligent. And you know, I think you're you're spot on with that. And I don't think anyone could ever blame you for taking that position. Because I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. A lot of people know about my you know, after season six, we'll see what happens type of deal. Um, because, you know, that's that's the big dance. Like, if it, if it ain't, a, if it isn't a big one, then what are we doing here, you know? 
Agreed. And again, yeah, my, one of my favorite quotes all the time, John Maynard Keynes. When the facts change, I change. So, like, yeah, I firmly believe with that. So, on that note, guys, thank you very much for your time and company. The trio held it down this time. I thought it was a very nice... Uh, we were like Miss a lot Sam. more chilled. Yeah, Sam. Sam didn't like go off at any point or give you any earth earthy metaphors that I missed. Something to do with Kentucky or bourbon, <laughs> baseball usually, or yeah. baseball. <laughs> yeah, we missed all those references. So uh, you know, I'm I'm I mean I'm really happy for him doing his mind flex thing because that seems way more healthy than what we're doing. So best of luck to him, and he will. You know, for those who've been asking, a lot of you've been asking, like he will turn up when he can. But obviously, he's not really playing Overwatch right now, so he's not really involved we'll see what happens um, and we'll see what happens the rest of the season guys i hope you guys have fun with it we'll definitely talk when we get the stacks potential but uh, until then enjoy the rest of your day fellas and thanks for joining